Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is, huh? Hump day. Good morning. Happy Hump Day, St. Louis. It's 7.01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That's Michelle Smallman. That's Matthew Rocchio. I'm Randy Carricker. It's great to have you with us for the next three hours. And Michelle, 36 hours until first pitch. Tick. Tick, tick. We're counting it down. I can't wait. I wish the weather would cooperate. It's the first thing I said when I walked in this morning. We had a string of awesome days weather-wise here in St. Louis. And then, of course, on the most important weather day of the year, we're getting rain. But we do know that the baseball gods will clear the skies tomorrow at 315 and we'll have a game. It might only be 52, 54 degrees, but we will have a game. Adam Wainwright will pitch well. The Cardinals will win and St. Louis will be celebrating. That sounds great. And you forgot Albert Pujols will hit a home, hit a home oh, run. Yeah, he's going to hit a home run. Definitely. That is part of the FanDuel Sportsbook app parlay. Cardinals win Albert Homer's Wayno gets the victory. Yeah, promo code SMALLS when you download. Mm -hmm. We've got quite a show coming up for you. Bernie Federico will join us at 8.15. We're going to talk to our buddy Greg Warren, comedian and just a a huge Cardinal fan and a friend of the show. He'll be with us at 8.45 and then at 9 o'clock, the chairman of your St. Louis Cardinals, William O. DeWitt. And you know what I'm going to do, Michelle? I thought about this this morning. Okay, tell me. I am going to get Mr. DeWitt to admit on air that I am not paid by the Cardinals to say nice things about him. Well, did you, did you send him a check prior to this so that he would say, say that live on radio? You know, I wonder how excited he is because to he's... come on our show? Man. He, of course. He listens every day. I'm sure, Randy. Stream, streaming on the 101 ESPN app, which you should download. It's free. Also, yeah. send us your mic drops if you have them. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is someone that obviously loves baseball. He loves history. And to think about Albert Pujols making yeah. his return, having a packed Bush Stadium for the first time in, in two seasons, it's a really big day in St. Louis. And for someone that is in charge of the organization but takes great pride in, in care and being a steward mm-hmm. of that brand and that franchise, I'm sure he's really excited for tomorrow. And one of the other things I want to bring up to him, because I'm proud of it as a Cardinal fan, and I would think, and you use the proper term, He's a steward of this organization. He really does care about this organization. But two things that I am proud of as a Cardinal fan. Number one, we brought up last September. Since the end of the 2010 season, 2011 on, the last 11 years, the Cardinals have played five regular season games that didn't have playoff implications in 11 seasons. That's outrageous. It's it's unbelievable. So that one is one that I would hope that he takes pride in. And the other one is... He's told us before, he likes having stars. Since 1909, now with Ted Simmons in the Hall of Fame, since 1909, every single year, the Cardinals have had 
a Hall of Famer, a Hall of Fame player in uniform. Yeah. And Actually, no, not- I, a Hall of Famer. I can't I can't say Hall of Fame pl- player because McGuire isn't in the Hall of Fame. So through 96, mm-hmm. you had Ozzy. 97, 98, 99, you, you had Tony. And I think Eck was actually still here in 97. So 98, 99, 2000, maybe it was. You didn't have a, a true Hall of Famer. But you've, every year you've had at least one Hall of Famer in uniform since 1909. And you obviously have Yadier Molina, Albert Pujols here. Nolan mm-hmm. Arenado is going to be here for a while. I wonder which one of these young guys, in, whether it's that we're seeing now or maybe a prospect that's coming up would be the one to potentially carry that torch. Because when you think about this generation that's on their way out, Nolan Renato will be here for a while and he's obviously going to be a Hall of Famer. But do you think Goldie will be a Hall of Famer? I think it'll be borderline. I think he has a a very good chance. And if he has a stretch run here over the course of the next two or three years, I think that he has a chance. But I wonder if that guy might be Dylan Carlson. That's an interesting thought. What if it's someone like Matthew Libertor? That's a possibility, too. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that solve the problem of the Rosarena trade? That would be unbelievable. How about if they go in to Cooperstown on the same day, Libertor and Rosarena? I think you have more confidence in Randy Rosarena to have a, a long and prosperous career than I do. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> Maybe not. I, I mean, we'll he's, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong, but to be a Hall of Fame player... And as I say that, as I just threw Matthew Libertor's name out there when we haven't even seen him yet. But I just, I wonder who that guy's going to be. Because you know that the Cardinals will find somebody that will at least be in that conversation. The Blues are in action tonight. They take on the Seattle Kraken at Enterprise Center. Alex Ferrario's pregame show at 6. The face-off at 7. And as the Cardinals do approach opening day tomorrow, we're going to be at Ballpark Village. We'll be at the Budweiser Brewhouse. All of the shows all day long will be at the Budweiser Brewhouse. The home opener is here 36 hours away. Carriker and Smallman, BK and Ferrario, the fast lane coming to you live from Ballpark Village. Brought to you by Green Envy Lawn Care and Budweiser, and it's time for Carriker and Smallman's preseason awards. And we have nominees, and we have winners. Let's get things started with the program, shall we? Here are your nominees for the Albert Pujols Award. The Albert Pujols Award goes to the Cardinal that isn't Albert Pujols that wins the team MVP. Because in perpetuity, it's going to be Albert based on those 11 years that he spent here. So the Albert Pujols Award, Michelle, your candidate for 2022. When I think about who I think the MVP of this Cardinal team will be in 2022... I'm going Tyler O'Neill, Randy. He won a gold glove last year. He had a lot of success at the plate. He's got the power. I think he is going to take another step forward this year, and I think Tyler O'Neill is going to be the team MVP. Michelle, I'm going with the first baseman. Last year, Paul Goldschmidt was unbelievable after May 1st. Wound up hitting 294, on base of 365, slugged 514, hit 31 homers, drove in 99. And now, as Derek Gould has so effectively chronicled at stltoday.com, Paul Goldschmidt has a new Marucci bat. He went down to Baton Rouge, Louisiana to a baseball lab during the offseason. He hit 500 in spring training with a bunch of homers. I think he's going to have his best year in Major League Baseball and not only be the Cardinals MVP, I think Paul Goldschmidt is the National League most valuable player. Whoa, Randy, hot take. Yeah, he wins the Albert Pujols Award, no doubt about it. And now, here are your nominees for the Other Than Wayno Award. 
So this award is going to go... Well, actually, we're just presenting nominees. We yeah. don't know who's going to be the award winner until after the end of the season. But this is going to be to a pitcher that we think is going to be the, I guess, MVP of the rotation. And it has to be someone other than Adam Wainwright, right. who's the obvious selection, mm-hmm. which is crazy to say that Adam Wainwright is the obvious selection. Mm-hmm. Um, but based on his performances the past two years, you can't really throw anyone other than Adam Wainwright out there. But my other than Wayno Award nominee, Randy, I think at the end of the season when we're sitting here and we're evaluating who's really that guy who emerged in the rotation, I think it's going to be Dakota Hudson. He's healthy. His stuff plays. I think he's had, he's had a strong spring. I think he's ready to go. And I think a lot of national people, when they look at this Cardinals rotation, have a lot of questions, and that's fair. But I also think they're not taking into account what a healthy Dakota Hudson mm-hmm. would look like. Michelle, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to go with a healthy Jack Flaherty because we kind of forget what a healthy Jack Flaherty looks like, too. First two months of last season, before he suffered the side injury, he was 9-2. and two. He led the National League in wins at the time he got hurt with 8. He finished 9-2 and two with a 3.22 ERA. He always gets a lot of strikeouts. He does need to be more efficient. Had 85 strikeouts in 78 and a third innings last year. I still think Jack Flaherty's going to make 24 starts, and I still think Jack Flaherty's going to be, other than Wayno, the Cardinal starting pitcher. That's a bold Election, Randy, when bowl. you say when Jack Flaherty is healthy, when he's starting the season, not healthy. Right. <laughs> so. That's my confidence level in Jack getting back. And I'm guessing he'll miss April, maybe a little part of May, but then he'll get back in mid-May, and then he's gonna he's gonna roll from there. I hope you're right. I want I nothing I <laughs> nothing more than to see a, the Cardinals hope you're right too. But I hope nothing more than to see a healthy Jack Flaherty because it, it feels like. We've had this conversation surrounding a lot of Cardinals talent, a lot of young talent, whether it's Alex Reyes or Jack Flaherty. We've had we had that conversation for years about Michael Waka, this the skill set that a lot of these young pitchers have and injuries have been the bugaboo for them. And I want to see if second half 2019 Jack Flaherty is the mm-hmm. real Jack Flaherty. I want the real Jack Flaherty to stand up and I hope I hope that he's healthy enough that we can see him do it. Here are your nominees for the Twitter Target Award. All right, Michelle, this is somebody who is irrationally attacked by the Twitterverse simply because they are them. And there are always a lot of nominees. Even before the internet, Michelle, when I was doing Cardinal pre and post game, especially post game open line after folks had had a few pops, you could have had the best team, and actually the Cardinals did have the best team, but they had to have a punching bag. Mm -hmm. And I have, as this year's punching bag, friend of the show and really good player Harrison Bader. And it's not (laughs) based on his performance. Last year, he had a 785 OPS. That's his best OPS. He was hurt and only played in 101 games, 103 games with 101 starts last year. Hit 267, but he hit hit 16 home runs with 50 RBIs. And people still don't like him. And I think his hair has something to do with it. I think his style, his flair has something to do with it. I believe, even if he is able to replicate over 140 games, what he did last year, that Harrison Bader will still be a Twitter target because it won't be enough. Which is outrageous. Um, I don't know why people dog on Harrison Bader the way that they do. He is an elite defender. We had him on the show yesterday, and 
this is a guy that gets it and that appreciates St. Louis. He appreciates uh, Cardinal Nation. He understands the responsibility that comes with wearing that uniform. He's done nothing but be a a great example Mm -hmm. of what we would want out of a Cardinal. But for some reason, people just don't like him. But I will say we did get a lot of response in the text line yesterday being like, Harrison Bader is awesome. I, I really enjoyed this interview. And I want everybody that listens to our show to memorize this. This is why I say it so much. Last year, when he played in 101 games, the team was 61 and 40. When he didn't play, the team was 29 and 32. He is a guy that a lot of times you win because of. He's like the Oscar Sunquist engine. Yes, exactly. He, he is a. He's not the captain. He's not the big star name. He he might not be the one that hits a home run in the bottom of the ninth to win the game. But he is a, a guy that makes the team go. Mm-hmm. It's important yeah. and it's really important to have guys like that on your team. My Twitter target, Randy, is going to be Tommy Edmond. Now we know that the glove is there. Gold glove. Def- Uh, second baseman, we know Tommy Edmonds got it defensively. But I think the offense might struggle a bit. We saw that in spring training. And I think that you're going to see a lot of people on social media wanting to hate on Tommy Edmonds because the offense won't be there. And that's a shame because great teams are built of great defense up the middle. Tommy Edmonds' job, first and foremost, is to go play gold glove defense at second base. If he does that and winds up hitting 240, he's your number eight hitter. I don't believe that he should be attacked because I think what he's giving is pretty much what we should reasonably expect. If he improves and we get that bonus, great. But he really, over the course of his career, hasn't done what would lead you to believe is going to make him a great offensive player, I think. Agreed. Here are your nominees for the My Bad Award. I feel like I gotta get through these quicker so the bed doesn't run out. It's like the award show when they when they wrap up the music. Yep, I gotta talk quicker. Yep, you're okay. being played out. My, the My Bad nominees are people that we're gonna doubt throughout the season and at the end we're going to have to apologize to. And I think there's only one person that I really think of, Randy, and it's our guy, friend of the show, friend in life. It's Adam Wainwright. I'm not doubting him. You're not doubting him. But he's gonna turn 41 in, in August. I, this is... <laughs> Someone that we're always going to have the caveat, but he's going to be 41. He's entering his age 41 year. We're always going to throw that caveat out there. And Adam Wainwright is going to keep proving us wrong and keep proving why we don't need to have the caveat there. And I think at the end of the season, we're going to be like, my bad. Sorry we brought up your age so much. My nominee for the My Bad Award is Miles Michaelis, who I have said on several occasions, why not just do the Tommy John surgery now (laughs) when he had forearm tightness? I said, come on, you're going to have Tommy John surgery. Pitched in only nine games last year. Didn't pitch in a game the year before that. But I kind of think at the end of this season, when he gets 32 starts, that he's going to be closer to the pitcher that he was in 2018 than the pitcher he hasn't been the last couple of years because he's been hampered by injuries. I really think that he is going to come back and provide the Cardinals the 32 starts that they expected when they gave him this big contract. Here are your nominees for the Cardinals Devil Magic Award. All right, Michelle, this is always fun because at the end of the year, and by the way, this has nothing to do with the devil. We aren't advocating Satan or anything like that. Some people are going to text you and say, why do you talk about devil magic? Well, well, then they must not watch Cardinal Baseball. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, why, it, it, honestly, Randy, if you don't know what devil magic is, why are you listening to this show? <laughs> True. Good point. Corey Dickerson 
has had moments at the major league level. He has a career OPS of 815. He's a career 283 hitter. His career 162 game average, and he's not going to play 162. He'll probably probably play about 120 games. But his career 162 game averages are a 283 batting average, 22 homers, 72 RBIs. The guy is going to hit 275. He's going to hit 18 home runs, and he's going to drive in 65 runs in part-time duty. And at the end of the year, people are going to say, wait, that guy was finished. He was done. The Cardinals get him, and he turns it on? Come on! Okay. That's my Corey Dickerson is my devil magic guy. I'm surprised because I thought we were both going to have the same guy for this mm. one. Because when I think of devil magic and I think of candidates to be the devil magic nominee for our awards here, Randy, there's only one guy. What's in a name? Everything is in a name. The devil magic nominee is Large Newbar. Of course it is. Because you have to think about the components that make up a devil magic guy. It's a guy that the, the rest of the league isn't really aware of. It's a guy that kind of comes out of nowhere and has a big performance. It's a guy that other fan bases say, of course, it's a dude named Lars Nupar that comes up for the Cardinals and has an unbelievable run. I think we saw a little bit of it last year. Remember when he made the the amazing catch and his tongue was out? Mm -hmm. That's the type (laughs) of snapshot moment that breeds a devil magic guy. Couldn't you see him doing something like that in the postseason Mm -hmm. if he gets the opportunity? I also think we saw a lot of promising things from Lars Nupar in the spring, and I think he's a dynamic young talent, and I'm excited to see him cook up some devil magic this year. Lars Taylor Tatsui Newtbar is Michelle's Devil Magic nominee. That is a Devil Magic guy if yep. I've ever heard of one. <laughs> it is. Those are your Cardinal Award nominees for 2022 with Carriker and Smallman. Coming up next, get your text in to Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. It's time for Ask Uncle Randy. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. You can always email us at askuncleRandy at 101ESPN.com. You can even send in a Rhino Shield mic drop if you so desire. But Michelle has your questions for us. Michelle, take it away. By the way, we got a text from the 618 saying that there better be a joke in physical violence during our award show. The bar has been set. <laughs> it really has. We got a We'll, we'll come up with the joke. I don't know if we can come up with the the uh, the punch or the slap, I guess. So would I be in this hypothetical situation, be the one charging you saying, saying keep Harrison Bader's name out your mouth? <laughs> out your mouth, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of someone you nominated. I guess Harrison Bader's the one. From the 573, Dear Uncle Randy, my girlfriend has been sporting a 1970s haircut since we met three years ago. That's and hot. I, <laughs> so hot. And I really want her to change it. How do I tell her without causing a scene or a fight? Okay, so first of all, <laughs> you're talking to somebody who had that Farrah Fawcett poster in my bedroom as a kid. Oh, Randy's thinking this is great. I'm thinking it's awesome. What's, okay? what's wrong with this woman's hair? I don't know how you play that game. I've never been one to go to a woman and ask her to alter her appearance for my benefit. Whenever I get asked about hair, the play is, it looks great. 
<laughs> I don't. Even if it doesn't? Uh, well, it never has not looked great. It, it always Good looks answer, great. Randy. First of all, I, as a guy who kind of likes the, the feathered look, it's... <laughs> Randy's like, hey, uh, can you email us some photos? (laughs) Right. Ask Uncle Randy at at gmail.com. But I guess the best thing to do to ease into a situation like that is, hey, how long have you been going to your stylist? Oh, five years. Have you ever thought about trying somebody different? Maybe get her a gift card. Yeah, that's to a somebody great else idea. Say, oh, I yep. heard from yep. this woman at work that this is the best stylist in St. Louis. So I went ahead and get, got you a gift card. I, I heard what she does is give you a full consultation yep. on on fun looks or whatever. Groupon. Randy, oh my God, <laughs> no! You do not give a woman a Groupon to get her hair done. The most important relationship you have in your life, outside of your spouse or your child or your family members, is your hairstylist. Is it really? Randy, I had accidentally, because I have to book my hair appointments many months in advance Mm -hmm. because my hairstylist is very in demand. And I realized that when I did it, I had accidentally booked my latest hair appointment for Thursday, which is obviously opening opening day. day. So I'm not going to begin my hair done. So I I reached out to her in a panic. Thankfully, she got me in on Monday. But that's because we have that type of relationship where Mm -hmm. she knows that it is very important and she could get me in. But you're seeing this person, if you're getting any co- color or cut done, every few weeks, you're going to see your hairdresser. You, the hair is what, the window to the face? I mm-hmm. mean, you're really trusting them with something very important. There has to be a level of comfort and trust there. You're not just going to get somebody on a Groupon. So you, what you need to do is find out who the best stylist is in town is that does stuff that you like if you're the guy i go to carrie at studio bronca creve Corp. there you there go, you go. give them a call she is the best in town okay a gift card yep there you go from the 314 dear uncle randy thoughts on lebron and his super team missing the playoffs well this is the second time in four years that lebron and his super team have missed the playoffs they missed in the first year too and actually i talked to matthew when we came in this morning about this If you're a Laker fan and you only won the championship in the bubble, do you look at this four years as a success with LeBron? Number one, to answer your question, (laughs) pretty funny that they missed the playoffs. Another point to be made. Randy, there's two whole more playoff spots this year. Did last night, were the Denver Nuggets ordered to throw the game to the San Antonio Spurs so that... The Lakers would lose, and the Rams would take more media spotlight away from them in L.A. You think Adele orchestrated this? Cronky. Sure. But I just don't think Cronky would care enough about that, about the maybe, team's popularity. Maybe Kevin and Josh got together. Okay, maybe. I just I don't think Stan's sm- smart enough or has that level of care to do something like that, which mm-hmm. is why I would think it might be Goodell. So anyway, to answer your question... I think it's funny. I thought when they made the trade for Westbrook, I love West, Russell Westbrook's individual game. He's a fun guy to watch play. But for whatever reason, he's just not a winner. And the opposite of winner, I guess I should say, he's a loser. And Randy. <laughs> sorry, I can say he's not a winner, but I'm going to be real. He's a loser. And so as much fun as he is, as talented as he is, it's just not there. And I think you reap what you sow, and the Lakers are doing so with this year and the guys they traded for Russell Westbrook. That being said, I'm not the NBA expert in this room. Matthew Rocchio is. Matthew, your take. I mean, yeah, they, they built a flawed team for today's NBA. You can't just continually try to build a team that's going to win under the three-point line unless you can 
unless you're going to be super efficient and you're also going to play good defense and the efficiency in the defense part never followed and lebron checked out you know physically last game um and in parts of the season he was kind of checking out as well that's what happens when you build a flawed roster with your friends instead of making the smart yeah. move and going to get demar Derozan, which they didn't yeah. do when they went and got russell westbrook and if if i'm not mistaken the lakers have three of the four oldest players active players in the nba that's no way to try to win from the 573, Dear Uncle Randy, I'm a full-time working mom with two kids under age three. I have a very demanding career, and my husband has very graciously taken a step back from his career so that he can do a lot of the heavy lifting with the kids. Mm-hmm. Let me pull this back up. While I focus on my work success, he knows that I'm appreciative, but I feel like telling him isn't enough. Do you have any idea of something special I can do for him to show him that his sacrifices and hard work at home are not going unnoticed? Do you want me to be real here? Yeah. Have sex. Oh, Randy. I'm being real. I am. <laughs> and I get that the kids are, uh, that you're, you're working hard, he's working hard, that people are tired. <laughs> but I'm telling you, if, if you want to say thanks to your husband, I'm, I'm, I'm just being real. I'm Uncle Randy. That's unfiltered, isn't it? Hey, hey sexy time. Yep. Yep. I'm telling you, that's, that's how you thank a man. Hey, I thought you were going to say get him a go- new golf club. No, yeah, I thought you were going to say let him go golfing when he wants to. Whatever he wants uh, to or okay. like, that. like take the kids one afternoon and let him go golfing. I, I thought, thought that was going to be the answer. But whoop, gentlemen, okay, then. 65780, our target demographic, 2554. We have guys that are listening of that course. are 11 or 12. We don't want you to get involved in that situation. But 18 and older, text in 65780 if you think Randy is right. <laughs> If, if, if that was the correct answer. Guys, was that cor- the correct answer? That's well, all I want to know. Can I say this on Randy? The first yeah. text we got said threesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, Randy. that's part. That is, it's by definition. It fits. Randy is so right. I love this show. Uncle Randy, you the man. Uncle Randy Rock. Show complete. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Spot on, Randy. <laughs> yep, definitely. Uncle Randy all day. <laughs> and you know what? I don't know why, but I want to say something like Baba Booey right now. Uh, bing bong. Hey, listen. When when she when you do this too, whatever you do, don't say Uncle Randy told me to do this. Okay? Just, no, no, no. Yeah. Throw on some Marvin Gaye. Pour yourself a glass of Chardonnay and have a good night on yep. us. Light the candle. Put the cut, tuck the kids away. Lock the door. Have a good time. But whatever you do, do not bring up Uncle Randy in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody just texted in and said this segment should be called Uncle Randy After Dark. <laughs> Somebody said a new golf club and sex would be great. <laughs> well, it would be. I mean, that's like a dog died and gone to heaven. Somebody from the 618, I'm playing this podcast for my wife immediately. <laughs> Oh, oh, Randy. <laughs> Here's one uh, that seems kind of obvious from the 636. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but this is what Uncle Randy does. He spits facts. He he doesn't. Uh, he helps every demographic, including the wives out there. I, I love I, it, Randy. I don't know how to label this in the podcast. <laughs> Just I don't I, just, I don't know, I don't know how to label this for podcast. Just say bing bong. There you go. <laughs> All oh. right. So I hope I helped you out. You know what? And I think we're just gonna have to wrap there because I don't think anything's gonna be better than that. <laughs> that's Michelle, that's Matthew, I'm Randy. Coming up, the Cardinals have a ten man bullpen. How confident are we in it?
<laughs> How do we go from that to the bullpen talk? We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN and Michelle. If over the course of John Mozeliak's career, I can pick out one thing that I'm most impressed by over the years, it's his ability to find relievers and assemble bullpens. Most of the time, he gets guys that I have no confidence in, and they wind up being pretty good relievers. Now, there's some guys that wash out, especially the left-handed relief guys, the Cecils, the Millers of the world. But he goes out and finds a lot of no-name guys that I don't have confidence in at the beginning of a season who wind up being good. I remember asking Walt Jockety, I think we had him on last year, what Mo does well. And he said that, that mm-hmm. he, he builds bull, bullpens. I look at this group of Cardinals bullpen guys. Guy goes, I have complete confidence in Me too. 10 of 10. I don't trust Ryan Helsley to stay healthy. I don't trust Cody Whitley to stay healthy. I like Cabrera a lot. I when do too. Used correctly. So that's two. TJ McFarland was really good last year. He was good enough so that I have confidence in him. Know nothing about Palante. Know very little about Aaron Brooks, except he's kind of washed out at the major league level. I really don't know Chris Vanderha, uh, except that he owned a team one time. Drew Verhagen. Oh, yeah. That's a that, sweet that, statue. Duver, that's, yeah. A, that's an awesome statue. Oh, Verhagen, my bad. Oh, yeah, and Verhagen. by the way, Brooks with the KBO resume, isn't that something that the Cardinals do? Is they find those guys abroad that come in and we're like, yep. huh, what? And then they perform for the Cardinals. Verhagen, too, coming yes, back from Japan. Right. Nick Wickren was not good last year. He's been good in the past. And then Jake Woodford, who, for his role, a three, four-inning guy, is pretty good. That being said, even though I don't have a ton of confidence in more than half of the bullpen— I'm going to give Mo the benefit of the doubt here. I'm going to suggest that John Mozeliak is better at picking out relievers and building a bullpen than Randy Carricker is. And while I don't have much confidence in them right now, will I be surprised if we get to June and the Cardinal bullpen has the best ERA of all the bullpens in the National League? Nope, won't be surprised a bit. Uh, going back to what you said about Mo doing that really well, in 2011, that's the move, The moves that were made to fortify mm-hmm. the bullpen, bullpen helped the Cardinals win the World Series. You don't do that without Scrabble and Dotel. They were critical to the Cardinals' success down the stretch. So it is kind of his signature moment and resulted in a championship once. Well, a lot of things resulted in that championship, but that was a very important move. Mm-hmm. But I am with you, Randy. I think that the Cardinals' bullpen does have a lot of questions, but that I think ultimately will end up being a strength. I'm, I'm with you with Gallegos and Cabrera, a lot of... Um, confidence in those two guys, especially Giovanni Gallegos. When I think about guys on this team that I have confidence in, especially pitchers, he's right at the top of that list. Um, By the way, yes, Cardinals took a lot of heat over the years for trading Luke Voigt, who's now a member of the Padres. They got Gallegos in that trade. That's right. You'd we don't make give... that trade now again if you're the Cardinals, wouldn't you? Oh, of course. Every time you make that trade. And that's another deal that John Mosellek does not get enough credit <laughs> right, for. Right. You know? um, and yeah, think about how steady Gallegos has been since that deal was made. What was that, about three seasons ago now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but people, you know what I've learned, Randy? People that don't like John Mosellek, no matter what he does, they're never going to like John no, Mosellek. That's right. He could win, the Cardinals could win a World Series this year, and those people will never give Mo credit. Yeah. It, it's just one of those camps right. that you're in. If you yeah. like if you, if you you like Mo, you like Mo. If you don't, you don't. Um, I do think when you look at this group, though, there's a lot of versatility there, and I think that uh, you have guys that could assume different roles, and I think that it's going to be beneficial for Ali Marmol to have this mix of guys that he can kind of mix and match. You know, Jordan Hicks, we didn't even really really bring up about him.
about how he mm-hmm. could be used in the rotation or as an opener. I think that we might see some creativity with the bullpen this year, and I think it's going to ultimately end up being a strength for this team. And ultimately being kind of old school, I'd like to have an eighth inning guy and a ninth inning guy. I believe having a closer is something that you need to have. Bill James, who is the the godfather of analytics, he told the Red Sox when he first got hired by the Red Sox, hey, you don't need a closer. Anybody can do the ninth inning. And then he figured it out once they went into a season and they didn't have a closer. And then he thought, oh, well, we better get a guy. So they got Keith Folk, and he was the guy that got the last out of the World Series for them. You have to have a guy that can get the 27th out. Mm-hmm. And every pitcher, and Michelle, you and I have talked to a lot of them, every single pitcher that I've ever talked to at the major league level says, yeah, the ninth inning is different. Yeah, getting, getting those three outs. Getting the 27th out is different. I know the analytics people don't believe that, but it's different. And I hope the Cardinals understand that they're men, not machines, and getting the 27th out is a different animal. So I hope they have 8th inning, eighth and ninth inning guys. But to your point, we are going to see relievers earlier and earlier and earlier. Is Jordan Hicks going to go more than two innings? Probably not. Mm-hmm. So you're probably going to see a mishmash of pitchers, one first and second inning, third and fourth inning, fifth and sixth inning, and then hopefully you can lock it down in the seventh, eighth, and ninth. And that's why you have ten guys right now. Uh, the three one four asks Randy as a Cardinals fan. I'm with you. I think John Mozeliak has done a great job with the bullpen. How can I thank him? <laughs> I would say <laughs> just appreciate the fact that the bow tie is fabulous that it's magnificent and whether it's not a bow tie, sometimes a scarf too. The mm-hmm. accessories are always on point. He is, and I, I wish people understood this. John Bozielek's a really nice guy. Yeah. They, With a really tough job, by yeah, the way. And he, if you listen to Mo, and Mo's going to be on the show tomorrow morning at 9.30 with us, he just has a good time. He's This is not a war. This is not something that's really... It's, it's a game. And he does a really good job of putting together teams. He's got a lot of respect among his peers. And because of what he's done in the past... We, as a fan base, not everybody is going to be on board with what the Cardinals have done. But because of his history, Michelle, as somebody who's... The reason that I still have PTSD about bad Cardinal baseball in the 70s is because they never had a bullpen. Mm. They they were bad and they didn't win because they never had a bullpen. So for Mo to be able to bid, build, build bullpens, I am appreciative of that and... Again, I'm going to buy in until it doesn't happen, until the bullpen is bad. What was the stat that you gave to start the show? How many games that had zero playoff implications have the Cardinals played in the last 10 years? That's a great one. Since the end of the 2010 season, when the Cardinals didn't make the playoffs, they have played exactly five games that didn't have playoff implications. They missed the playoffs in 16, 17, 18, lost in game number 162 in... 16. In 17, they lost in game 161, so 162 didn't have playoff implications. And then in 18, they lost, uh, they were knocked out in game 158. So they played 159, 160, 162, 161, and 162. So four games in 2018. Five games 
in 11 seasons that didn't have playoff implications for the Cardinals. That's incredible. It really is. And I remember we had him on the show not that long ago, maybe a couple months ago, and I had asked him what he's most proud of in his career. And he said the fact that they've never had to rebuild, that they've Mm -hmm. always been able to maintain some level of success. And I know most fans look at championships as the only indicator of success. And they look at the last 10 years and say, great stat, Randy, but where's the hardware? You've walked away with one championship in 10 years when teams could have won, but I think that that's a, pr- a pretty important stat to consider when you think about the great baseball that well, you've seen. And as a fan, you have gone into the last week of the season with a chance to win. The Cubs haven't done that every year. The Brewers haven't done that every year. The Reds haven't done that every year. The Twins haven't done that. Every- the Dodgers haven't done that every year mm-hmm. since 2010. The the Cardinals and the Yankees are the two franchises that have generally been able to pull that off. You know, the Giants, who won the three World Series, went to the playoffs four times. And the rest of the time were really mediocre. Since 2004, when the Red Sox won the World Series, they finished last in their division as many times as they've won the World Series. Cardinals haven't finished last in their division since 1908. That's incredible. It's amazing. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It's Take It or Leave It on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We would love to have your text. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Michelle, apologies to those in the audience who had to endure that 1918 last place finish for the Cardinals. I said 1908. Actually, it's 1918 the last time the Cardinals finished in last. So if you had to deal with that, it's kind of a hassle. 1918. Uh, that's the last time the Cardinals finished in last in their league or division. 1918 rather than 1908. Some people out there listening still scarred by that. A uh, little PTSD. I get yeah, it. Yeah. Michelle, take it or leave it. LeBron James has played in his last NBA Finals. I'll take that. I'm going to take it too. Because I don't think he's getting there with the Lakers. And as he's said several times, he is focused on playing with his son. Yep. He's thirty. going to be 38 next season. And even though he could have led the league in scoring this year, He's hurt too much. He's only going to wind up playing in 56 games. That's what prevented them from making the playoffs in his first year. He was fortunate that they had the shutdown in the 2020 season. Not that we were fortunate, but from his perspective in terms of winning the championship, that's why they won. And wherever he goes, the league is so tough now. There's The Lakers, it's not a mistake that they finished out of the playoffs this year. They just are passed up by a lot of franchises. Who do you think's the guy after LeBron is done? Because there's so many stars in the NBA, mm-hmm. but after Michael, there's LeBron. And I think mm-hmm. we thought it might be Zion, but that's clearly not the case. But there isn't necessarily one person that I think stands no. above the rest that you would pass the torch to to be the number one guy in the NBA. And I think that might be good for the league yeah. to have a variety of stars and different markets. And but- I think it's going to be hard for Giannis in Milwaukee to be the guy. I think if he played in New York or L.A., Giannis would probably be the guy. But I don't think out of Milwaukee you can. I think Tatum has a chance to be the guy because of where he plays and the team he plays for. The other guy... And again, market has something to do with this, especially because of the, the fact that they play in the Pacific time zone mm-hmm. for a lot of the season. Devin Booker's awesome. He's awesome. But he's not going to finish in the top five in MVP voting this year. 
Yeah, and Joel Embiid says the MVP voters hate him. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, right. So that's a great question. Who is the guy? I don't know. I don't think there is one. Not right now. Yeah, I think we all thought it could be Zion, like I said. Right, but yeah. It's definitely not going to be him. No. This is from the 618. Take it or leave it. Would this be in the last year for Albert, Yachty, and Wayno? DeWitt will give Mo the green light to add needed pieces at the deadline for a World Series run. I'm going to take it, but we're going to ask Mr. DeWitt about that at 9 o'clock. I'm going to take it as well. They they said it's a disappointment if they don't win a World mm-hmm. Series. So, to me, if that's your line of thinking, that means you're going to make every move possible in order to secure that mm-hmm. World Series. 314, take it or leave it. Cardinals win it all in 2022, but have three consecutive losing seasons to follow. <laughs> I'm going to leave that. Which part? All of it? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that uh, they don't win it all and they don't have three straight losing seasons. I think their pitching will be too, too good to have three straight losing seasons. I really do. Yeah, I don't think they'll have three straight losing seasons. Um, I, I love how when you look nationally, no one is even considering the Cardinals no, to great. win the World Series. Um, which and plays you think into Adam Wainwright right? notices that, by the way, Michelle? Of course, of course. He probably has it taped up somewhere in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. But I, I do like that people are doubting them or not expecting them because the team that everyone expects to win the World Series rarely wins the right. World Series. Um, but yeah, I'm going to leave it too. And by the way, even with the departure of Yachty and Wayno and Pujols after this year, if Wayno is out the door, you're still going to have O'Neill, Bader, Carlson, all good players. You're still going to have Arenado, Goldie, good players. Hopefully Andrew Kisner and or Herrera wind up being good. But my point is, is that you're still going to have at least five all-star quality position players. And you're going to bring Hudson back. You're hopefully have a healthy Flaherty. Hopefully. Michaelis is going to be here. Matthew Libertor, Zach Thompson, Michael McCreevy. You've still got a relatively young bullpen that's under control. There's going to be a lot of elements for the Cardinals to be good in 2023 also. Take it or leave it. Wayno convinces Marmol to let him DH at least one game. I'm going to take that. I'll Absolutely. take it too. Yeah. That's guaranteed. 314, take it or leave it. Edmundo Sosa is the starting shortstop by June. Leave it. I'll leave it too. By June? No way. And what if I changed it to August myself? I'm going to and le- then threw it at I'm, you. I'm still going to leave it. I I think Paul DeYoung is going to be representative. I think he's going to be good. And we tend to forget that the metrics, which I only use if they benefit my argument, by the way. <laughs> Obviously. But several years ago, they had Paul DeYoung as a top two or three shortstop defensively in the National League. Fair enough. Take it or leave it. We're all anxiously waiting until 11 o'clock when it'll be announced whether the Blackhawks, re- the Battlehawks return or not. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, I'm nervous about that one. They'll be back. Don't worry about it. You don't sign a lease with a dome and then say, no, we're not going to do that. Why would you not? It would be very dumb. That's the thing. That's why, and that's why it would be, and that it's such an obvious thing for them to go with it. That's why it would be so heartbreaking because it just seems like a gimme with the way we showed out for it. Take it or leave it. Jordan Tayamu is our quarterback. I'm going to leave it. Yeah, I'll leave that. But I would love it. Be fun. But I'm going to leave it. Uh, five seven three. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals' fifth starting spot will be a carousel of different guys, openers, and experiments until the trade deadline. I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it, but take it. It's gonna be a carousel of guys until Jack Flaherty returns. I will take that, but Jack Flaherty, like I said at the outset of this show, be back in mid-May and make at least twenty-four starts for the Cardinals. What was he your uh, other than Wayne? He was award my other nominee? than Wayne yeah. Award winner. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that for you, Randy. I hope. I hope you're right. And I'm, well, I, I had Dakota Hudson. I hope we're both right. I hope so, too. I had to get this one in here. 314, take it or leave it. Nadub gets two tonight. Take it. I'm going to leave it. But Against I do think, Seattle, Michelle. I do think walks 
We'll get oh, on the board. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Why does this keep happening? Oh. That was a shot walks. across the bow. By the way, have you noticed that the Blues keep tweeting out walks? Other players, when they talk about him, talk about walks. I think they listen to the show, they and do. they're raging against Nadab. They're making it a point to say walks. You know what? As long as they keep raging and he keeps scoring goals. And by the way, the more he scores, the more he's Nadab. Because the Twitterverse, <laughs> the, when he's, whenever he scores, Twitterverse explodes with Nadab in all caps. Are you thinking of just people that are tweeting you? Yeah. Okay. But... It's more than our tweet in the blues. Uh, <laughs> Walks. I will say, Nadub is growing on me. Maybe it's because you love it so much, Randy, that I find it endearing. It's Nathan Walker. It's Nadub. Like, a friend of uh, Carriker and Smallman, uh, Johnny Lode, as Tony Larusa called him, John Rodriguez. He's J-Rod. Yes. It, you just have to do it. There is a... You don't have to, no. Uh, well, you have to. You don't somebody, have to. Uh, somebody else, an you athlete, goes with Jade. Uh, some some Williams or something. Maybe it's Jay Williams. Maybe he goes with Jade. Dub. Yeah. Jade Dub, Nadeb. It's fine. Yeah, good. That's, uh, it's fine. We got an it's, it's fine out of Michelle. I, I said it's... I'm coming around to it, Randy, because like you love it so much, but I will keep mentioning walks. <laughs> okay. Until he stops scoring. Yeah, Which will never happen. He's a catalyst, that one. He is. Uh, that is Michelle. That is Matthew. I'm Randy. Thanks for joining us on Take It or Leave It. Coming up next, Tiger is back, baby. <laughs> is he, he going to win? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by the Schnooks Rewards app. Check out Good For You, a free wellness program available in the app today. Lundquist on CBS back in 2005. Tiger with an incredible shot on 16. He didn't play in the Masters last year after a February car accident left him in danger of losing a leg. Yesterday, Tiger said his plan is to play Michelle in the 2022 Masters. And we wondered the day after the accident, will Tiger ever play again? Will he ever be able to walk a course again? He's walked a course over the course of the last week several times. He's putted, and he's planning on teeing it up tomorrow morning in Augusta. The fact that we're even having this conversation is so remarkable. We weren't even saying, could he ever walk a course again? We were saying, is he ever going to walk again, period? Mm -hmm. Will this man ever walk again? Does he have the... Remember, we were questioning, does he have the energy to even do another rehab like this? Like, yes, he'll rehab so that he can walk again and, and live as much of a normal and healthy life with his children as he possibly can, but we were having 
conversations about everything he's already endured from a physical standpoint. And is this something that he really even would consider? The fact that we even doubted that, that this is the, that this man would want to get his body back in shape to play golf and that he would be at the precipice of competing and get another Masters and do it 18 months, 19 months or whatever it is after this car accident. I don't know why we ever doubted him. Why do we continuously do this to the Tom Brady's of the world, to the Tiger Woods of the world? When we have a lifetime of sample size that mm-hmm. says, do not doubt this person. They are capable of extraordinary and unthinkable things. His tea time, Tiger's tea time tomorrow, set for 934 St. Louis time. Does he think he can win? And if so, why? I do. Well, I can I can hit it just fine. And I, I, I don't have any qualms about what I can do physically from a golf standpoint. It's now walking is the hard part. You know, this is normally not a easy walk to begin with. Um, now, given the, the conditions that, you know, my leg is in, it gets a little bit more, more difficult. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, 72 holes is, uh, is a long road. And uh, it's going to be a, a tough challenge and a challenge that I'm, I'm up for. He is always up for a challenge. Now, can he win? Probably not. You got a whole field. If, if if he wins, it'll be one of the great sports stories of all time. But would it surprise anybody if he found himself in contention tomorrow, or even if he found himself in contention on Sunday? I think it'd give us all chills. Would it actually surprise you if he won? Because it would not surprise me at all. Uh, yes, given his physical condition. Yes, given the terrain of the Masters and the walk as he's just described. Yes, as you mentioned, there's a field of excellent golfers that he has to compete against. But would you actually be surprised if Tiger Woods pulls you this out? You can't put anything past him. Uh, you, can't, you just cannot ever think that he is not capable of winning. I never thought that he would come out and win the Masters in 2019. No. I thought he was done. I thought that we would never see that from him again. I hoped for it. I thought after the PGA yeah. Championship here in St. Louis that he was getting closer and that maybe it was a possibility. But because of the competition, I thought it would be really hard for him to get back there. But he continuously proves us wrong. So I really I would be thrilled if he won. I would not be surprised. We like everybody else, wondered what his future would have held after the hospital stay in Los Angeles. Would he have believed he could have played in this particular Masters? Well, at that time, I was still in a hospital bed, and I was that for the next three months. And so I never left that hospital bed, even in my living room, for three months. So that was a, a tough road. And to find a guy that where I wasn't in a wheelchair or crutches and walking and Still had more surgeries ahead of me. Um, to say that I was going to be here playing and talking to you guys again uh, <laughs> would have been very unlikely. Michelle, there has to be video of all this, right? There has to be video of him in a hospital bed, video of him in a wheelchair, on crutches, working his way back, trying to take that first swing, playing with Charlie at the PNC Championship. This is a video story, whether it's a 30 for 30 or whether it's a Tiger Woods produced documentary, just getting back and teeing off tomorrow has to be a story, doesn't it? I hope that some member of the TW camp had the foresight to say, we need to film this. We Mm -hmm. need to get cameras around. Now, I don't know. This is someone that cherishes his privacy. I don't know if that's something that he wanted to invite people into this rehab process, but I really hope that he did because I can't imagine what that would be like to be able to watch that. And by the way, going back to the first soundbite when they asked him, 
do you think you can win this? And he says, I do. Did you watch the actual video yeah. of that? Did you see the steadiness in his eyes when mm-hmm. he said that? I watched that a couple times yesterday, and I go, this is a man that is confident in his abilities, and he is ready to go. And I'm not going to doubt him. This is a man that can go to Vegas and say, hey, want to go up to my room? And somebody just says, oh, yeah. Matthew, what do you got for us? Uh, Christmas 2027. Disney brings you the unparalleled story. Eldrick in theaters, December 25th. It'll but be something it, like that. Just it, like, but it doesn't it, need to have like a full motion picture. No, it doesn't need to have that. I just, and you know what? After Tiger Woods was not pleased about the HBO documentary and some of the mm-hmm. other stuff that's been put out about his life where he didn't participate and he didn't control the story, mm-hmm. wouldn't that be something you think that he would relish to be able to control the story yeah. about his own recovery? And say, I'm going to take you behind the scenes. I'm going to be the one to tell you what this was like for me. That's the way I would have pitched it to him if I was in his team. I would have as well. So five Masters, 15 major championships, more wins on tour than anybody else. Is he coming back because there's still work to do? No, I feel like I could, if everything went well, my, my surgeons gave me a chance, and then my my PTs and my surgeons, they all said that I could, I could do this again. Now, it's up to me to endure the pain and, and all that. Um, but I felt like I, I could still do this, and I don't know how many more years I can do this. Um, I was very fortunate to have come back in the end of 17 uh, when I did, because I didn't know if I could still do it again at that time. Um, but again, my surgeons gave me an opportunity, and my PTs did the same. Um, and this is kind of the same scenario, but um, a little bit more severe than it was back then. But if you couldn't have, would have you been satisfied? Yes, say- I would have. Yeah, I think. I think 82 is a pretty good number, and 15 is not too bad either. Michelle, he said, I have to endure the pain. We have to keep in mind that he is a recovering painkiller addict. So he's not dealing with Percocet. He's not dealing with the the painkillers that a lot of people would deal with to avoid what his leg is presenting him pain-wise, which to me, I'm sure that there was some level of painkiller in 08 when he won the U.S. Open on the broken leg. If you're a recovering painkiller addict, you can't be taking painkillers. So the pain has to be even worse, and he has to be even tougher now. Another component to pay attention to is the weather. I was listening to Michael Collins talk about this, Mm -hmm. and there's some inclement weather that could come through with the Masters, and that's going to change the terrain. It makes the ground softer, which will be more difficult for him from a planting standpoint, from a walking standpoint. The weather and how it affects the grass could be a major factor for this for Tiger. As a guy who broke bones in both wrists, I can tell you that rain plays a role in how you feel, in whether or not you have even more pain than you do when it's a really nice day. So he's going to have to deal with that, too. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. It's 813. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Polo Asensio is at the window waving at uh, Michelle. We do need a fighter for 830, so if you'd like to fight, text in 65780 with the word fight. But next up, it's Bernie Federko on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Blues booth. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home with locations in West County, South County, St. Charles County, and our new location in Mid-County. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com.
Derek Ernst Smallman on 101 ESPN. Paul Asensio, the Cardinal Spanish language broadcaster, is visiting many of our stations down the hall this morning. We talked to Paul last Thursday, so uh, he's not going to be with us this morning, but he was just in studio. And now Michelle and I go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and uh, Blues Analyst for Bally Sports Midwest is the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federko. Good morning, Bernie. How are you doing? I'm great, Randy. How are you guys this morning? Everything's outstanding, and we're excited yeah. about the the recent results of the Blues, and especially after Monday night, I and I know I've ridden a roller coaster ride this year, but I, I feel really good about them. How do you feel after what you've seen, not just on Monday, but over the course of the Canada trip, too? Well, we talked last week about uh, how important that Canadian trip was going to be, and and I think that everybody uh, is starting to feel that the Blues are for real now. <laughs> I, I really believe that uh, it was a great trip into Canada and getting points in all those three places, Vancouver and then Edmonton and Calgary, especially Calgary, uh, on back-to-back nights. I think uh, for them to come home and play so well on Monday and get the job done is what it's all about right now. And I, I'm seeing the energy now that I'm, I'm seeing the composure – that, that we thought this team was going to have earlier in the season. And, and I think that uh, they really refound their game. And, and I think uh, they're all, all feeling pretty good about themselves right now. Bernie, Randy mentioned the term roller coaster. And I think you could describe Jordan Bennington's season as a little bit of a roller coaster. He had a tough outing over the weekend. As a Hall of Famer, someone who's dealt with a lot throughout your career and you've seen a lot of hockey, if Jordan Bennington were to talk to you and describe what he was feeling right now, and you were to give him some advice, what advice would you give Jordan Bennington as he goes through this season of his career? Well, I would just tell him to, to, to be himself. I mean, he's, he's just got to find himself. I mean, most of this stuff usually is always a, a mental thing uh, for a goaltender that's been through it. I mean, goaltending is a different situation too, uh, Michelle. You know, I think every goaltender is a little different. I mean, uh, they have to have a little different mentality than everybody else because they, they have to be a very calming factor. They really have to forget very, very quickly after something goes in. They have to regroup very, very quickly. And you know, he's done it before, and that's what I would I would say to him is that um, find your confidence again because you've been through this. I mean, you've been through the ups and downs of this. You've, you've proven that you can be a Stanley Cup winning goaltender, and I think it's just getting it back between your ears that uh, you've got to get your confidence back and you've got to do the little things that, that made you successful before. And it's, I think, more of a thinking game than anything else, and I think that he'll real, he'll find it. Uh, let's hope it's it's real soon. Uh, but the fact of the matter right now is that uh, he's got time to find it. Uh, Puso has played so well, and it would be really nice if both both of them could have confidence going to the playoffs so that if there's an injury or something like that happens, that he can just pop right back in there. Bernie, this team is going to wind up probably with uh, nine 20-goal scores. Your 80-81 team had 10. Real balance, although you did have 54 from Wayne Babbage that year, right? And you had 37 from Jurgen Pedersen. So you had a couple more dominant goal scores than this team has. But if, if you have your choice between a, a group of guys that are scoring between 20 and 30 or having a couple of guys that are above 40 but don't have 10, what would you rather have? in the playoffs the the group that has the 10 guys with 20 or would you rather have the 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 54 and the 37 well i would probably say that history will tell you randy that you better have have off having the 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 numerous guys with with i guess less goals and and, then just have a couple of guys that that really are your big go-to guys because i think that uh, if you can spread out the wealth obviously it's very hard it's much harder to check against it's much harder to play against teams that have 
uh, the depth at all three or four lines. And, and I think that's the, been the strength of the Blues team this year is that they've got so many guys that can do the job. I think when you get in the playoffs, if you have just a couple of guys that you can key on and if you can shut them down and you win hockey games because of that, I think the teams may be getting into problems because of that. But when you've got uh, numerous guys that are scoring goals, I, mean, I think that's right now a very good situation for the Blues to be in, the balance that they have. And uh, if they can continue to that, and find the ways to, to to really spread it out through the playoffs. I think they got a really great chance of having great success uh, in the playoffs as well. With that being said, Bernie, the balance is key. But as we look towards the playoffs, who's one guy on this Blues team that you think could be a major X factor moving forward? Well, I think that Tarasenko has to be a, an X factor. I think that he's the guy that uh, has been able to be the sniper for this Blues hockey club. But, I mean, I, I've really been talking about Buchnevich. I really like the way he plays, what he's brought to this team. Uh, I think he's such a really good talent. He, he does so many good things. I love the way he kills penalties. Um, and just his, his hockey sense is great. But Robert Thomas is now starting to come through. I think that everybody's starting to play much better. I mean, I think Ryan O'Reilly has really stepped up to his, his game offensively. I mean, he's played defensively, all, all, always played so well. But I think he's getting more offensive. We're seeing Shen really right now. He's shining. He's skating. I mean, I think he's skating as hard, as good as I've, I've seen him play. So I'm, this team is, I, I think, starting to peak at the right time. And, and we're still, what, three weeks away from the playoffs right now. But uh, certainly there's a lot of work to be done. I mean, when you look at the Central Division right now, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's so tight. I mean, between Minnesota and Dallas now, it's just eight points, four teams. Uh, I think all four teams are probably going to make the playoffs. But still, it's the, it's the positioning that you have to be in. So uh, you have to have all your guys playing very well. And then I think the good news right now is that the Blues have a, a lot of their fours that, that really are at the top of their games right now. Bernie, the year the Blues won the Stanley Cup, Tampa Bay set a bunch of records for wins and for points in a season, at least modern records. And this year, Colorado is having one of those years. Tampa got knocked out because they really were not built for the playoffs. We haven't seen a ton of the Avalanche, but I want to know what you think of them in terms of playing playoff hockey. Well, they're pretty good. From what I've watched, Randy, I watched a little of that game last night against Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, they're still without a couple of key people too. I mean, Landeskog's out of the lineup there uh, in Colorado. So, I mean, they've you know they've, they've got Gerrard's out still. They, they've got a magnificent hockey club. So, uh, I think the issue would 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 have probably been with Colorado would have been goaltending. But Kemper has really uh, come in and and he's starting to find his game and play very very well as well now. So. Uh, they're going to be tough. I mean, there's no question about it. But you know what? In a best of seven series, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can lose a key person at the at the at the wrong time. Uh, you can get a big save from a from a goaltender. I mean, we saw that in the playoffs in 2019. I mean, Bennington stole games for the Blues, and uh, it, it, it's tough. And 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 I think that that uh, this year, like most years, it, it's it's up for grabs. There's a lot of really good teams out there right now. Colorado's showing that they've got so much. I mean, look at Florida. I mean, Florida last night was down 5-1 to one to Toronto, and they come back and win that game 6-5 to five or whatever it was. I mean, uh, they were down 6-2 to two the other night. Florida and New Jersey, they won 7-6. I mean, you're watching all these games now, and, and there's a lot of really good hockey teams, and uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and it, really, the Blues have a chance. There's no question about it in my mind. I mean, they are a team that people are going to be scared to play because of the depth they have. And certainly uh, they've been there before. A lot of these guys have won a cup. So, and of course, you always look at Tampa uh, because they won the last couple of years. So uh, this is going to be a, a heck of a run. And I think the next three weeks of the regular season is going to be fun. But once we get to the playoffs, I think it's going to be maybe as, as good as we've ever seen. Finally, Bernie, 
the Blues play the Kraken tonight, and yes, they dominated Arizona the other night, but they have had a tendency to play to the level of their competition. Take us inside the dressing room. How do you avoid that? How do you avoid losing to or having a competitive game with a team that you're clearly better than? Well, that's up to just everybody to just bear down to know that they got to do their job on, on that night. I mean, you, you can't play to the competition. I mean, certain times during the year, I mean, this is right now, let's, let's not forget that the Blues have played what they've played five games in the last, what, eight nights already, and they still got three in the next four. So this is a tough stretch for them right now. But uh, I think that uh, they all have to understand that they're a better team than the, than the Kraken are or the teams that are below them. And this was, a, I think, a, a very important week for the Blues. Uh, and I think they know – uh, that to get to Minnesota and to get in the second, you know, second place in in the division, they're going to have to beat the Kraken tonight so that they get a chance to be in second by beating Minnesota on Friday. So I think there's these little things that uh, it's the veteran guys in the, in the locker room that have to say, "Hey guys, we got to be prepared mentally tonight to play our game." And I think Craig Ruby keeps saying that all the time is that this team has got to play their game. Don't play and worry about what. Seattle's going to do tonight. Worry about what you're going to do in each and individual shift. So win your shift, win your periods, and, and you're going to win the game. And, and I think that's just what has to become. And that mostly has to come from the older guys in the room that have been around. Uh, but certainly the younger guys are the ones that create that energy. And, and everybody's responsible for getting the job done tonight. Hall of Famer Bernie Federico, always great to hear your voice. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. We'll be tuned in this evening. Thanks, you guys. You have a great day. You too. See you later. That is the great Bernie Federico joining us as he does every hump day on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Next up, we've got the fight. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Carriker and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. It's time for the fight on Carricker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 833 in St. Louis on this rainy Wednesday. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Randy's competitor this morning is Kenny, who's joining us now. What's up, Kenny? How are you? Hey, I'm doing good, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for asking. Are you ready to take on Randy in the fight? Yeah, I think so. All right, awesome. Well, let's go. Good luck to you. Question number one for Kenny. Tomorrow will be the second time in Cardinals history that the team uses a DH in the opening day lineup, the first time being the COVID-shortened season in 2020. Who was the DH on that opening day? Was it Dexter Fowler, Brad Miller, or Matt Carpenter? Oh, well, between Matt Carpenter and Brad Miller, I think Brad Miller. Who has the most opening day starts at one position in AL or NL history? Is it Willie Mays, Pete Rose, or Barry Bonds? I'm going to go Pete Rose. Question number three for you, Kenny. The Cardinals are one of eight Major League Baseball teams without a 30-30 player in their team history. With 31 home runs and 26 stolen bases, which Cardinal has come the closest? Is it Mark Witten, Ray Langford, or Ron Gant? Oh, man. Oh. Um, can you give me those options one more time? Sure. Mark Witten, Ray Langford, Ron Gant. Uh, Ray Langford. 
Hank Aaron tied Babe Ruth's home run record on opening day, hitting his 714th career home run against the Reds to kick off which season? Was that 1976, 1974, or 1972? I know Randy's going to know this right off the bat. He's going to have a story behind it and everything. Of course, so. Kenny. Uh 1974. All right. Yep. Confirming his score. Waving in Randy, who's chatting in the hallway. Are you chatting with Greg Morin? No. One of our, uh, one of our construction guys. Oh, I love so it. I was uh, looking in our glass door. I was Rob Manfreding. I was looking at keeping my front end in yeah, on my uh-huh, golf swing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking to one of our construction guys who's played golf once in his life and said he had a good time. So Only one time, huh? Yeah. Well, speaking of Greg Warren, he is going to join us next segment, comedian, St. Louis guy. And he was so kind, he brought us bagels from the bagel factory today. Ooh, good bagels. You know, the problem, though, is I want some cream cheese with these well, bad boys. How about the fact that they're not from New Jersey? But I, I've been told by many people that these are the the most legit East Coast they bagels are. in yeah. St. Louis. Yeah. It says right here on the bag, Randy, New York water. Oh, perfect. Yeah, there you go. Maybe, water. maybe they ship in the water. All right, Randy, uh, please say good morning to Kenny, who's your challenger today. Kenny, good morning. Great to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Good morning, Randy. Are you ready, sir? I'm ready. Question number one for Megamind. Tomorrow will be the second time in Cardinals history that the team uses a DH in the opening day lineup, the first time being the COVID-shortened season in 2020. Who was the DH on that opening day? Designated hitter for the Cardinals on July 24th of 2020. The first time Carriker and Smallman did the uh, opening day from Ballpark Village. That's right. And do you remember we went to the stadium and how empty it was? Yeah. It was so, it was, it was one of the weirdest eerie. moments of my life. I will never forget how cavernous it was. You could you could hear guys talking in the dugout. It was so bizarre from the press yeah. box. Uh, opening day DH. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say... That it was Tyler O'Neill. Who has the most opening day starts at one position in ALNL history? Opening day starts at a position. At one position. Hmm. Well, it wouldn't be Stan the Man. It could be Willie Mays. Hmm. Played a long time. Henry Aaron played both left and right. I'm going to do the lifeline here, Matthew. Is it Willie Mays, Pete Rose, or Barry Bonds? Okay, Barry played center and left. It's almost got to be Willie Mays in center field. Question number three for Randy. The Cardinals are one of eight Major League Baseball teams without a 30-30 player in their team history. Hmm. With 31 home runs and 26 stolen bases, which Cardinal has come the closest? 31 homers, 26 stolen bases. Logic would dictate that you go with Ray Langford here. So I'm going to go with Raymond. <laughs> Hank Aaron tied Babe Ruth's home run way. record on opening day, hitting his 714th career home run mm-hmm. against the Reds to kick off which season? That would have been uh, the 1974 campaign. Later hit the home run against Al Downing of the Dodgers. I was watching at my friend Bill Knowles' house. <laughs> When uh, when Aaron hit that record 715th home run. You know what is hilarious about this, Randy, is that Kenny forecasted this. He knew you were going to know number four, and he knew you were going to have a story behind it. Oh, how about that? And you knew it, and you had a story, but was it enough for the victory? I don't know. Was it enough for the victory? 
One of you got three correct. One of you got two correct. Who was it? Matt, ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair, home of the non-commission-based sales force and hassle-free warranty. Just win, baby. Uh, you went back to back there with the sound bites. Kenny, you were right. Not only did Randy know it, not only did he have a story, but that was the question he got correct to beat you. That was the one that edged yeah. you out three to two. I'm so sorry, my man. It's all good. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing, Kenny. Uh, thanks for having me. <sighs> what? You knew it. You knew the story. And you have the sound bites. By the way, you won't have the machine tomorrow. So whoever takes you on and probably loses tomorrow won't have to endure the sound because we'll be on remote. Matthew can use the machine. Oh, Randy. Oh, I'm going to. <laughs> oh, all right. So tomorrow, second time in Cardinal history that the team used a DH in the opening day lineup. The first time was that COVID shortened season in 2020. The DH on that opening day was MARP. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. It was Matt Carpenter. Willie Mays has the most opening day starts at one position in American League or National League history. He has 21 starts in center field. The Cardinal, who has come the closest to having a 30-30 player, is Ray Langford in 1998 with 31 home runs and 26 stolen bases. And Hank Aaron tied Babe Ruth's home run record on opening day, hitting his 714th career home run against the Reds to kick off the 1974 season. And Randy was watching at his friend. Bill Knowles' house, Bill right Knowles down the street. House. Yeah. yeah, shout out to Bill. They his uh, his parents had a color TV. <laughs> it's true. Wow, it's true. I we didn't have a color TV in 1974. I don't think it must be nice, Bill. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> uh, that's the fight on 101 ESPN. Coming up, our friend, great local comedian Greg Warren is going to be performing in town this weekend. Greg is next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And joining us in studio is our friend, local comedian, a.k.a. Ira. It's Greg <laughs> Warren. Good to see you. How you doing? Hey, guys. How you doing? <laughs> can you give us a little Ira, though, just so that we can torture Anthony Stalter a little bit? Anthony, I remember hearing you with Tony softly on the radio program about <laughs> NFL football. You were my favorite entertainer of anybody. Uh, you and Wayne New. <laughs> it's a little pause, too, as you're gathering yourself. I can just see Ira thinking it through. But I have to tell you, Greg, it was April Fool's Day last Friday, and we were trying to think of a way that we could oh, get Anthony Stalter again. But the problem is, is he was talking about it on the air. He goes, they got me so good last year. Greg Warren's Ira was so memorable like, that my head is on a swivel. He was, gun shy. He, he was looking over his shoulder at all times, so we, well, we figured we couldn't get him. I was in Vegas, and Michelle texts me. She's like, hey, we got to get Anthony. <laughs> You need to do a Mike Trout impression. I'm like, what? Yeah, I no, no pressure. I you, like, who has a Mike Trout impression just <laughs> ready to go, I'll man? I'll tell you. Hey, I love baseball. I love the weather. I love New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's it. pretty yeah, I'm yeah, Mike yeah. Trout. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. That's yeah. Mike Trout. <laughs> Greg is going to be at the new Funny Bone in St. Charles, at the streets of St. Charles, on Friday, Saturday, Sunday this weekend. And I love the fact that you do the kids' show on Sunday for the, the people out there. But you always do a great show. And 
and can't wait to see you. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. First time uh, performing uh, on uh, on that side of the river. Um, Is it weird? And I know this sounds like a weird question, but do you ever have to adjust to a new stage when you move to a new town? Or no. are, like Mark McGuire told us when he was on the show yesterday, he said, "When I'm on the field, that's my sanctuary, and I have to believe that every field's the same for him. Is every stage basically the same for you?" Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I probably. I don't give it a whole lot of thought these days. Mm-hmm. I think it was just over time I've been thrown into so many like weird different um if it's a comedy club it's going to be so great. Uh-huh. Compared you know cuz I do some corporate stuff and it's like you're in a weird hotel ballroom and it's yeah. just like glaring lights on low you. Low ceilings is where it's at, right? Low ceilings is where it's at. Um and uh yeah, I mean I've like done I did a show oh, a couple weeks ago in Atlantic City. Uh, at nine thirty in the morning, for, you know. So, like, if I'm at a comedy club, it's going to be fun. But uh, yeah, it's weird. They, you know, they're letting me perform for kids, and I've done this a lot. And uh, maybe, like, I, I think I have a look that maybe that I look like a fairly responsible person. You know, yeah. P- people assume that I, I can confirm, yeah. and I'm, I'm not. <laughs> like, like, like as an example. Well, um. Like I don't have it. If there's an important document, uh, I don't have it. Like, like, like it's that I just had to get the real ID, you know, f- oh, for Missouri, yeah. the real ID at the DMV, and it's always a problem there. Like, do you have your social security card? Uh, I haven't seen that since like two days after they gave it to me. You, you know, like Greg, it's an important document. Well, then you guys shouldn't have printed it. On a gum wrapper, you know, you know, like the passport people made—they made a book out of their thing. You know, it's got pages mm-hmm. and a uh, cover. Yes, I lost that too, but I shouldn't <laughs> have. You know, do you have your birth certificate? My birth certificate. That document is fifty-three years old. I also don't have the Declaration of Independence. You know, it's, now the state of Missouri will give you. Uh, birth certificate. That's good. Yeah, oh, um, you get a right to the state, uh, but they'll give you one. Like I lose them a lot. You know, like, <laughs> like, you know, like, hey, can I just get a, a book of fifty or something like that? Do you guys have a birth certificate of the month club or something I could join? You know that. that uh, and then they start with the car stuff. You know, the, uh, do you have a title for your car? Uh, I never <laughs> thought of one. Um, we we called it the chick mobile for a while, but really not a lot of chicks got in it. So it was kind of a misnomer, if you want to know the truth. So it was ironic, man. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was I mean, I didn't intend it to be that way, Michelle. I thought more chicks would be getting in and out of that car, but it just, yeah, it, was, it wasn't too impressive. Life happens. Now, yeah. I don't know how you feel about AI or about government tracking or anything, but I would be open to the government implanting a chip in me if it oh meant my all my documents were there and you could just scan me. You and because I am with you. When I moved or when I had to get a new car, the amount of documents it took me months to get what i needed because i didn't have the right documents yes. you're trying to call places they don't have it i'm like just put it in my arm and scan me up i am with you my friend was like one of those guys who's like hey man if you got the vaccine the government they put a chip in you and i'm like good yeah i mean just when i go to the tmv it's like hey we need to see ah, i got my shot in my left arm so it's there, there. You, you know you got a reader you know you got a reader and i know i got a chip let's do some chip reading while you're in there 
I forgot my Apple ID. If you could look it up. Right. Like, <laughs> right. What's my password again? Yeah. yeah, it's just like the Apple Pay. Just scan it. It clicks. Oh, no, I, I'm with you. I would be right all about that. You know? Greg Warren at the Funny Bone at the Streets of St. Charles this weekend. When I was a teenager, and I'm so thankful that I never got audited because I hated the fact that I had to pay taxes when I was working at the Onyx gas station. So I would do my taxes and fold them up so they fit in a three by five envelope. I folded them that much and sent them into the IRS. Thank God the IRS never audited. And I would guess that statute of limitations is probably passed at this point. There is no uh, statute of limitations for fraud. If you it made wasn't a mistake. fraud, I would just try to frustrate them by putting, okay, so wrapping okay. my two or three page uh, tax <laughs> return up putting it in that envelope and then stapling it all the way around. <laughs> I was just trying to frustrate the IRS. I think that, I, I think that would just make them angry. I would think so. And probably you <laughs> are going I, to get audited. Now that I'm older, I appreciate that. All those tricks when you're a kid. Do you remember like somebody telling you like if you if you like put your finger on your tongue and then wiped it over the coating on the check that it would take like an extra week for the check to clean their what? Oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I had you had intelligent friends, I had <laughs> morons that I hung out with. Yeah, if you just like wipe spit on the check uh, where the coating is, it's it's, it's going to take if you don't have enough money in your account. Okay. So, yeah. oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throw oh, them off the scent. Yeah. Yeah. Opening day tomorrow. Greg Warren is sitting in the green seats next Tuesday. Before we talk about the green seats, Michelle needs to tell you about her experience in the green seats. Yeah. So we were talking before we went live about your upcoming green seat yeah, experience. Pretty, I was bragging to you guys. I'm, yeah, I mean, you should. It's, yeah. it's a flex if I've it's ever a heard day one. game, man. Ooh. It's like, oh. Greg great. is going to be toasted. It's going to be great. Yeah, I'm so, I'm going to eat a lot. <laughs> it's going to be yeah. awesome. But I said, I've never sat in the green seats. And Randy goes, well, you kind of have. And I forgot that during the pandemic, the Cardinals were very generous and they had cardboard cutouts of Randy and I. And they put they us- had a, They had a Randy and Michelle cutout? Greg, not mm-hmm. only did we have cutouts, they put us- Front row, green seats, right behind home plate. Oh, yeah, we man. were on all night on Bally Sports. Man, I'm sure I saw it. I don't miss many games. So, I would. I can't believe I missed that. Cardboard us was ball. They were balling man, in the green seats. You guys, Real me has never been that lucky. Re, that is really. You think they would give you some tickets for putting you guys in? You know. You would think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, Cardinal. Uh, so. Uh, tell us about what you plan to do in the green seats next Tuesday. Yeah, what's the game plan? It's all yeah. you can eat and all you can drink. Great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I haven't given a lot of thought. I mean, my buddy Sean's going with me, mm-hmm. and uh, he's looked it up. It's a day game. I think it's a twelve fifteen start or something Great. like that. And he's saying we can get there at ten. <laughs> so we're we're gonna get there at ten. Uh, I want to. Um, you know, I, I want to watch Albert hit batting practice is a big part of it. Yeah. And I want to hear. I got to, when I was living in Houston, I got to be on the floor one time when Olajuwon was playing. Wow. And it's, it was one of the, it was completely different. You know, you, they're so fast and they're so big. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I'm hoping uh, that there's like the, a different experience to like see how, you know. It's great. Well, yeah. the food is great. They just, just Yeah, tell me about the food, Randy. So I mean, it's normal bar, ballpark fare. It's nachos and hot dogs and burgers and stuff like that and all kinds of drinks. And I was there a couple of years ago with Amsinger. And you, you've seen Greg. He's just in great condition. Yeah. And he had something every single inning. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm gonna do that. I mean, I, I'm. Uh, it's weird. I, I I eat a lot of peanuts. I'm probably gonna go. They're, they're there. You know, and they got you know they got the hot, the spicy peanuts uh, down at the stadium. Ooh. So I'm gonna probably go those. Maybe I'm thinking that's first inning and ninth inning. 
So I got I got seven innings to sort of fill in. What else I'm going to get? There'll be plenty there. Ice cream. Yeah. Now, yeah. Do they have like a buffet though too, right? Before the game. Oh, Pre-game yeah. buffet. You know what we Delicious. need, Greg, when you're done? We need a captain's log. We need okay. from start to yeah, finish what you, you ate, what you yeah, drank, yeah. what it was like. Yeah. Um, well, we hope you have a great time at the game. I wanted to ask you about this because I'm sure, sure you've been asked about this a lot, but the Will Smith slap, Chris Rock, I, I thought about you in that moment. Yeah. I, I don't even necessarily... Um, now, did you think about me because I'm balding? Or because- <laughs> no, just because I was—I thought about comedians in that moment yeah. and with the way that people are today, very angry. I wanted to know: Have you ever been in a situation like that where someone in the audience got angry? I, I don't—I'm assuming they never hit you, but maybe that they charged the stage or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I'll say a couple things about it. I mean, first of all, obviously, it was—it was, it was, a, it was, it was a poor judgment. It was temper. It was bad. There's things that I've done in my life that I'm not proud of that, you know, um, so I, I, I come down, I come down hard on Will Smith, but like, I don't judge him. Like I've done some dumb stuff. So, uh, but I, the only altercation that I really had, it was as much my doing as the audience, but it was, um, I was living in LA and it was a, it was a club called the Ha Ha and it was like a early after or, or like late afternoon show. Nobody was there. And I mean, I was, so there's these three kind of like young guys, um, they, they look pretty rough and they were in the front row and there's hardly anybody. There's probably 10 people in the crowd and it was just mostly people going up and doing their material and not doing well. And these guys were like talking on the phone, not just, you know, texting. They were literally answering phone calls and talking on the phone. And the MC was sort of inexperienced, uh, or the or the girl before me. So she does a bit with them. She's like, "Let me see your phone," you know. And then she does the bit where it's like, and they love it because they're the center of a, center of attention. She starts talking to whoever they're talking to, and they're the center of attention. So they that's what they wanted to be all night. Mm-hmm. And she's young enough where like she can't really do anything about it. So I get up there and I'm doing this bit and I'm eating it hard. Nobody's laughing. And I have this roommate, Dawn, this friend of mine who's in the back and she's trying to help me, which I did not want the help. She's, I mean, nobody's laughing and she's like, ha 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 ha. I'm just like, shut up, Dawn, shut up. It's everybody knows it's not funny. We don't need to pretend like it is. So I'm miserable. All right. And then these guys, the phone rings again and they start doing the phone thing, right? They're doing the, and they're talking on the phone and I go, let me see your phone. And they are more than happy to give me the phone because they think, oh, we're going to be the center of attention. They're running the show, which I hate. So it's my show, mm-hmm. you know? So they're, so I just have this flash of temper. I go, let me see your phone. And they, they get it to me and I took it and I skipped it across the, the <laughs> I skipped it across the floor. It went boom, 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 boom. It hit the wall and exploded and it, it just oh. smashed into like 300 pieces. I'm so proud of and, you. And these guys are like, hey, what are you doing? I go, you want to go? I go, I go, yeah, what are you doing? And then here's how dumb I was. This is like old college wrestler Greg. I was I was like I, I go let's go I go we can't fight here we can't fight in my mind I was like I can't have a fight inside the club because that would be wrong and this is the only club that books me in town right now so but I can perfectly well have a fight outside the club and, and the uh, so I'm like in my mind I'm like yeah, just, just go outside and that's fine so like, yeah. so like we go outside and the owner these guys were um they were Armenian um and the owner was Armenian and mm. he kind of he was like he grabbed me and pulled me right back in the club. He's like, Greg, 
I know these type of guys. I actually know some of these guys. You do not want to mess these guys. They are gang connected. You, they, they, they will kill you or something like that. So like he pulls me back in the club, and it was like this whole giant thing. Uh, so that's the biggest altercation. And then I'm like, uh, you know, like uh, Mr. Badman throwing phones. But uh, the, they were mad at the club, and uh, the club owner's like, Greg, you know, they want us to get him a new phone. I'm like, I'll pay for it. So like, <laughs> yeah, I'm Mr. Badman, but I also spent and of course when they told them how much is the phone they were like it's four hundred dollars there's no four hundred dollar phones back then in the early 2000s right. I, I, so there's your spot and right i had there. to give them the money because yeah. i'm like this is the only club that's booking me so it's that thing cost me about 450 bucks man. But, uh, oh, man. yeah yeah that's so. how so i guess i empathize with people making um emotional decisions <laughs> on stage. And the moral of the story is if you go to the funny bone this weekend you can get, get tickets just google uh saint streets of saint charles funny bone don't have Randy, your phone. I've grown up, man. <laughs> Don't have I your promise, phone turned up. I mean, I'd rather you didn't, but I'm not going to. I've grown up, Randy. Okay, I, glad, I promise I'm, I have, I'm glad man. to hear that because yeah. you, you, first you tell us I'm irresponsible, and then you say I've grown up. I, I, I can't I mean, figure it out, Greg. I, I, I'm irresponsible, but I'm... <laughs> I, I I won't throw hands uh, at the funny bone this no, weekend. No, just phones. You know. <laughs> well I done. Promise well played. I, uh, you guys, I should I should have shut my mouth. <laughs> You're the best. Thank you very much. Great seeing you guys. The man. great Greg yeah. Warren. You can see him at the funny bone on Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, and just Google the funny bone, and he'll be at the streets of St. Charles. And it's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seiden Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. We are about 34 hours away from the Cardinals home opener, the Cardinals opener for 2022 against the Pittsburgh Pirates at the ballpark. And it's always a pleasure to go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and visit with the chairman of your St. Louis Cardinals, William DeWitt. Bill, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for your time this morning. How are you doing? Good. Good to be with you. Do you think that opening day in St. Louis should be a holiday, a recognized holiday? Well, I think it almost is a recognized holiday. Um, if you go downtown and see how many people are down there, it's uh, pretty incredible. And, you know, we're really excited about it. And, um, you know, this is a pretty special opener for us, too. Absolutely, Bill. And I think one of the cool things about the home opener is that so many people have traditions that span decades that they share and pass down in their family. Outside of the stuff that we see at the ballpark, do you have a home opener tradition? Not really. Um, you know, I've, I've been going to a lot of openers uh, over the years, and uh, I just enjoy it. Of course, with the Cardinals, uh, the last, uh, this is our 27th year, 26th year. Um, we, um, you know, always do something on the field, so that's fun and good to see the players come in on their uh, on their wagons, and, uh, you know, it's a special day. Bill, when you say that this is a particularly special opener, I can think of multiple reasons why it would be, but specifically, why is this a special opening day for you? Well, to have Albert Pujols come back, I think, is uh, special for everyone in St. Louis. He was such an incredible player for us for a number of years, and, you know, we won a couple World Series, and, you know, he was the he was an MVP or you know multiple times and 
you know, just a beloved figure in St. Louis. So to have him uh, come back and finish his career as a Cardinal, I think is pretty special. People are so excited about it, Bill, and, and it's a reunion that I think a lot of Cardinals fans always hope for. Is it a reunion that you always hoped for as well? Well, you never know when something like that happens. I think, uh, uh, you know, I think everything fell into place. And, you know, it was always in the back of our mind, gee, someday it would be wonderful if, if he could finish his career as a Cardinal. And, you know, fortunately, it's, it's happening. When did you really start considering that you would bring Albert Pujols back? Uh, you know, uh, Mo and I talked about it along the way, and we weren't sure exactly what he wanted to do. And, and first of all, whether he wanted to continue playing, et cetera. And so, you know, we had some internal discussions about it. And, you know, when the opportunity presented itself, uh, you know, we thought it was a you know, great thing for the franchise. Bill, how much, when you started talking about this, how much of your thought process was sentimental? Obviously, your bottom line here is you want to succeed with the ball club, but there is some sentimentality involved too. So when you made that final decision for you personally as the chairman, how much of it was sentimental? Well, you know, first of all, we view him to be an asset on the team. So, you know, that's first and foremost. Um, But we do... We've made a history of honoring our greatest players, and he's certainly up there right with the best of them. And, um, you know, to have him come back and, and want to finish his career after being gone, you know, on a uh, 10-year contract uh, in the American League and then he finished up, of course, last year with the Dodgers. Uh, but, you know, it's there's sentiment and then there's there's value in the sense that if you look what he did last year when he moved to the Dodgers and you know, the way they used him and particularly against left-handed pitching, you know, he's a great asset off the bench. I, I know uh, when we faced him and he came off the bench, it was like, Ooh, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, at any moment he can strike and, you know, that's what we hope for this year. And I'm sure he's looking forward to that. Bill, one of the things that you've told us over the years is that part of your organizational or organizational philosophy is that you like having stars on the team. And that's borne out by the fact that since 1909, the Cardinals have had a Hall of Famer in uniform every single year. How important is that to you to continue that tradition of whether it's Yachty and Albert this year or hopefully a guy like Arenado down the road? But how important is that streak for you that you've had so many Hall of Famers with this organization? Well, I think that's really been a key to the success of the organization for, as you say, so many years. And what I've found in watching and being involved in baseball really my whole life is that when you have great players on a team, it elevates everybody else. And, um, you know, it's it's not only uh, what they do, but what what other players on the team do with, you know, as a result of their leadership. Uh, and fortunately, you know, the, the best players that we've had are great leaders as well. So, you know, there, there's more to it than just, you know, what their numbers are and, you know, where they hit in the order uh, because what they do really leads uh, the other players to perform uh, at a higher level as well. Bill, the city is buzzing. We are all looking forward to tomorrow. And it's hard to believe that just a few weeks ago, baseball was in a lockout and tomorrow's game was in jeopardy. But after those long, intense negotiations, how relieved were you to get a deal done? Well, I was extremely relieved. I, I was uh, obviously rooting for uh, an agreement. And, 
it was really done, as they say, at the 11th hour because I think it was important to play 162 games. And, you know, we were right up against the limit on being able to do that. And, you know, we had to rearrange the schedule a little bit, but it was doable. Um, so, you know, I always felt I knew there was going to be baseball at some point, And to have it be a full season, I think, was re- important as well. And, you know, fortunately, um, we came to an agreement that the players approved and, and that the owners approved. So, you know, these these agreements are hard. You know, there's one side that wants one thing, the other side wants another. And, you know, fortunately, over the years, we've been able to come together and avoid missing games. Uh, I think we have the longest streak in professional sports of not missing any games. So that's pretty good. Max Scherzer said that he never wanted to be involved in those negotiations again. Did you miss it? Was there any part of you that missed being in that negotiating room? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I was not on the committee this time, and uh, but it was down at our facility. So I had an opportunity to check in and on occasion and, and go out and see what was going on. But, um, you know, it's very time consuming. And those who, who's, who were on the committee, you know, I, I give them credit for the effort they made. They were up all hours of the night, particularly at the end. I mean, you know, I think they were sitting in our uh, ballpark down there and actually it's a suite overlooking the field, you know, countless hours and over seven or eight day period. So, I give them a lot of credit, and the other side was there as well. You know, they had their own their own suite, uh, and you know there were a lot of meetings back and forth. So, you know, it, it took the effort from both the players and and the ownership group and commissioner to get this deal done and i know both sides are very happy the cardinal chairman bill dewitt with us on 101 espn bill when i try to rationally explain what i think you are doing as an organization there's two pieces of feedback i get number two primarily is character how much are the cardinals paying you to shill for them can you verify right now that the cardinals are not paying randy character to explain what you guys are trying to do <laughs> no, uh, yeah, well, I'll, care, I'll, I'll confirm that. Thank you very uh, much. But uh, we appreciate uh, the support from you and and the media that uh, you know follow the Cardinals and are so you know gung ho about the Cardinals' performance and so forth. So we, we appreciate it. And people during an off season like this, after you go out and get mats, and it is the last year for Yachty and uh, and. Pujols, and we presume Wayno as well, people ask, why didn't you do more in terms of starting pitching? That's probably the prevailing question we get from our listeners. Can you explain the approach that you took specifically to your starting rotation during the offseason? Well, I think we have a lot of depth there. Uh, you know, we've got Michaelis uh, coming back, um, and we've got, you know, Verhagen, who we signed, and and Brooks. And so, you know, we, we've got some depth there. We think, you know, Flaherty will be back uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. And match was a key addition. Uh, and we've got some good young pitching that, you know, if we allow them to develop, they could be, a, you know, available as well. Uh, Woodford finished strong last year. So there are options. And I've always felt that, you know, along the way throughout the year, you see how things develop and you adjust. And we did that last year and brought in some veterans and it, you know, they were a big part of our getting to the playoffs. Um, but, 
you know, teams that go all in, uh, that's a strategy, uh, you know, right at the beginning or in the off season. Uh, our strategy has been to have really strong teams, um, but have the opportunity to have, have some continuity with those players. And so, you know, no team is perfect. There's some really good teams out there. I think we're very competitive and, you know, we have been competitive for, for a long period of time. Can I give you one stat? I don't know if you're, I, 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 you are aware of this, but I just want to reiterate this. Since the end of the 2010 season, when you talk about being competitive all the time, your franchise has played five games that didn't have playoff implications, five regular season games since 2010. So in the last 11 years, it was game 162 in 2017 and games 159, 60, 61, and 62 in 2018. You talk about being competitive. That's pretty darn impressive. Well, yeah, we're proud of that fact. And interestingly, um, one of the sabermetrics uh, groups that uh, has some of us speak on occasion. My son was uh, doing a talk and one of the members walked up with a sheet of paper and I don't look back so much. I always uh, always look at today's game and three to five years out, but it was pretty impressive. In the 21st century, we have the second most, we have the most wins in the National League. We have the second most in all of baseball. And, you know, there's some good teams, good markets out there and, and we want to have a winning team every year. That's our goal. And we hope it's good enough to make the playoffs. And I feel like, you know, this year is like many others where we have a good shot at the playoffs. And if we do, um, you know, anything can happen there. So I, I don't, I don't buy into the strategy of go all in and, you know, give up a bunch of prospects and do everything you can to have the best possible team on a one year basis, because, there can be disappointment every year, no matter how good you are. And then if you sacrifice your team down the road, it's not a good strategy. Well, Bill, tomorrow officially opens the Ali Marmol era in Cardinal baseball. He stated that the expectation is for the club to win a World Series this year. Why do you believe he is the manager that can help the Cardinals capture it? Uh, Ali, we were fortunate. Ali is a manager who started in our system as a player, came through, you know, worked his way up and really understands what the Cardinals organization is all about. And it's about winning. It's about trying to win championships. And historically, Cardinals have done a really good job at winning championships, second most world number of world championships in baseball to the Yankees. So, um, you know, he feels like we have a good enough team to, to get to that goal. And I think we do too. I think things have to break our way, but, you can say that for every single team out there. There's there's no sort of, oh, this team's going to win it all when you start with uh, the number of teams that are playing in baseball. So, um, you know, 30 teams, and we all want to win. And uh, I think we have an excellent chance to have a really good season. And our goal is to get to October and go deep. Last thing for the Cardinal Chairman, Bill DeWitt, you initiated the Cardinal Hall of Fame, and tomorrow you'll have most of the Cardinal Hall of Famers here in addition to the Cooperstown Hall of Famers. How much fun is that for you as a baseball historian and a guy who, as we've mentioned, is the steward of this franchise to have those guys come back and care so much about the franchise? It's really special. I think it's uh, – I don't know – 
other teams, they, they don't have the history maybe that we do, and, and we're very fortunate in that regard. And a lot of that history is fairly recent for us, as I mentioned, the last you know 20-plus years. Think of the great players and the championships and the winning teams that we've had. So, uh, you know, there's the three. I'm right on there in the field. You can think about that will be playing tomorrow in addition to the ones that are that are, uh, you know, coming forward to, to be there. And it means a lot to them. They, they appreciate being part of that group, all of them. You know, they, they wouldn't miss it. So it's very exciting. I think it's great for the fans. It's great for the franchise. And we're fortunate to have the kind of players that we have had over the years going all the way back to, you know, when the Cardinals became a great franchise in the, you know, early 20th century. Well, Bill, Michelle and I and Cardinal Nation obviously looking forward to the season. Glad we're playing. And we always appreciate your time either on or right before opening day to to kind of give us a a state of the team. Thanks so much for that, and we'll see you tomorrow. Great to be with you. Thanks, Randy and Michelle. Take care. That is the chairman of the Cardinals, Bill DeWitt, with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we'll react to some of the things that uh, Bill DeWitt said on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Always good to have the Cardinal Chairman, Bill DeWitt, on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And, Michelle, uh, a few things to unpack there. Most notable, because a lot of times we, our entire station, ask, why don't the Cardinals go all in? Why don't, on a year like this, where you have Yachty and Wayno and now Albert, why not go all in and do everything you can to load up on players so that you're competing with franchises like the Dodgers on a regular basis? Mm-hmm. And here was the response of Bill DeWitt. You know, teams that go all in, uh, that's a strategy, uh, you know, right at the beginning or in the off season. Uh, our strategy has been to have really strong teams, um, but have the opportunity to have have some continuity with those players. And so, you know, no team is perfect. There's some really good teams out there. I think we're very competitive, and you know, we have been competitive for for a long period of time. They are. I understand the people that, especially in a year like this, would like to do that, but. Bill DeWitt is all about continuity. And when you look at the way the front office has been treated ever since he became the owner, Mike Schilt notwithstanding, the the way that they've treated their managers since he became the owner, the long-term contracts that they've given their star players since he became the owner, he really does stand for what he says. And I, I can't say that I have an issue with it because the Cardinals have been competitive. Have they gone all in to win the World Series? No. But since they took over, since this ownership took over, the 2001 Diamondbacks bought a, a world championship. I think you could argue that the 1997 Marlins bought a world championship. But since then, if you look at the teams that have gone all in, especially from the standpoint of this market size, like when San Diego did a few years ago and traded everybody the year after, or when the Marlins did in, what was it, 2013, when they bought Burley and Jose Reyes and all those guys. 
ordinarily the money does catch up with you. And if you're a market this size, you can't maintain continuity. You can't maintain a $220, $230 million payroll in this day and age on a regular basis in a market this size. I think a lot of fans would love Bill DeWitt to act like Steve Cohen and just Mm -hmm. be willing to open up the the checkbook and, and spend whenever. Uh, but I do understand his approach. I, I also think this year is a little different than other years with a truncated spring training because you do have a different calibration period to see what happens with guys this first month. I think this first month is going to be really interesting for every team in baseball because you're not getting the sample size you normally get from guys to see how ready they are, uh, especially a lot of young players. And I think we might see some Uh, additional injuries that you might not anticipate right right out of the gate because of a shortened spring training. So if you go all in and then you can't react to things that may happen or developments that might happen that first month, you might be in a tough spot. But I know that that doesn't matter to fans. Fans want to feel like the Cardinals are going to not only run away with the division, but that they are a true World Series contender. And when Mr. DeWitt said, Every year, we hope that we get in the playoffs, and you never know what's going to happen in the playoffs. I agree with him, but I could just feel fans as they were Mm -hmm. listening to that cringe because they want to feel like Dodgers fans feel. We have a super team. We're going to win the World Series Mm -hmm. every season that we field a team like this. And that's the thing is Dodger fans have won fewer World Series since the Cardinal ownership took over than the Cardinals have. Since 1996, the Cardinals have won in 04 and, or in 06 and in 11, and the Dodgers' only world championship was a couple of years ago. And by the way, I should point out that the Red Sox 2018 team, I would suggest that they went all in when they made the, the trade for our signed price and, and got Chris Sale. I, I will give you that one as well as a franchise that went all in. But if you look at the Dodgers, if you look at the Yankees dynasty, I mean, the, the, the key to the Yankees when they were great in 96 through 2003, it was Bernie Williams, it was Derek Jeter, it was Alfonso Soriano, it was Jorge Posada, it was Andy Pettit, it was Mariano Rivera. It was people that they had brought up through their system. When you look at the Dodgers and all the money that they've spent, the the keys to their winning have been people like Clayton Kershaw and... Uh, Kenley Jansen, and when they won, Cody Bellinger. Yes, they did use assets to go out and get Mookie Betts, but they have done a great job of, A, drafting and developing, and B, their pro scouting has been sensational in finding Chris Taylor and and, and Justin Turner and Kike Hernandez when they got him. It's not all about, if you look at the history of world champions, it's not all about going out and spending a bunch of money on free agents. It's not, but I think a lot of fans, if the team is in contention, if they're leading the division or you think they're going to be a playoff team come trade deadline time, I think they want to see some activity. They want the Cardinals mm-hmm. to improve themselves, really fortify themselves down the stretch. And, hey, I wondered the other day, I put it up on Twitter, why wouldn't the Cardinals go out and get a guy like Sean Manaya? Why wouldn't the Cardinals have signed more pitchers? I do wonder that. We all wonder that. why, And that's why the question was asked. Why not fortify more? What was their approach this offseason? And they're counting on Michaelis. They're counting on Flaherty. We'll see how that works. They must have more confidence in Flaherty and his health than I think a lot of us do. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm just being cautious. I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that Jack Flaherty comes back sooner rather than later, and he's absolutely dominant. But I just have been down this road too many times with injuries where we get our hopes up and— a lot of a lot of these things are unpredictable. It's really difficult. Jack Flaherty's going to make twenty four starts, Michelle. He's going sixteen and four I'm with okay with a two point seven three earned run average. 
Okay. 16 and 4 with a 2.73. 24 starts, mm-hmm. 16 and 4, 2.73. I have written this down. We're putting it on the board here. All right. I like this. We're going to put it. I like it a lot. We're going to put it on there. And if you're wrong, end of the season, you spin the wheel. Okay. I can do that. And by the way, somebody said that with that interview, it did sound like I was being paid by the Cardinals. Even though but Mr. DeWitt confirmed, confirmed that you're not on the payroll? You know what, though? I mean, we're open for business. <laughs> we certainly are. <laughs> we don't want anybody to think otherwise. I'm kidding. We would never, but still. Polo is heading out. We love Polo. And we'll see you tomorrow at the ballpark, right? Yeah, we will. We're waving at Polo through the glass. Yeah, he, he's, he's the, the best. best. He's terrific. Uh, coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Man, we have an action-packed hallway with the Greg Warren, Polo, the great Ben Boyd. We've got a lot of energy out in the Hubbard Radio hallways here today. Everyone's buzzing. We're so excited. The home opener opening day is tomorrow. Everybody's popping in the studio, making plans, saying hello. Randy, tomorrow's going to be bananas. It's going to be great. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Gwen Stefani. You bet. (laughs) We'll be at Budweiser Brewhouse. The whole station's going to be there from 7 a.m. until 6 p.m. And we're going to be broadcasting from the stage at the Budweiser Brewhouse. The home opener is here, and we'll be set up just steps away from the ballpark. So we'll have our show. BK and Ferrario will be there. The the last lane, all coming to you live tomorrow. That's what it says here, the last lane. The last lane. Yeah, brought to you by Green Envy Lawn Care and by Budweiser. You know, they are the last show. Yeah, so it's the the last lane. I see it. So there you go. You know what it's time for? You're killing me, Smalls! Well, Randy, I hate to be the one to bring this up because I know how much you were rooting for the Lakers this season. Mm. You you love this combination of players. You love that franchise. You love that city. I know you really mm-hmm. do. And a lot of people thought that the Lakers this year would be in contention for a championship. Well, that dream died yesterday with the 121-110 loss to the Phoenix Suns coupled with a 116-97 win by the Spurs over the Nuggets. The Lakers were official, officially eliminated from playing contention with three games remaining in the regular, regular season. And as their head coach Frank Vogel said, Randy, extremely disappointing. It is extremely disappointing, but when you build a squad of a bunch of 37-year-olds, I think you have to have a reasonable expectation that said squad isn't going to be able to play for five or six months and succeed at a high level. Generally, as you get older, you get hurt more. And they had Carmelo Anthony coming off the bench, so he wasn't as beat up as some of the guys, but LeBron's not an 82-game player anymore. And we know Anthony Davis, his nickname is Street Clothes. He can't play a full season. And we know Russell Westbrook is not a winning player in the converse of not, or the, the, the definition of not a winning player. I guess it would be a losing player. So that team was built by people that just aren't great at what they do. Kurt Rambis and his wife are basically in charge of personnel there. It's not a surprise that it didn't work out for them. Anthony Davis said this year we had more starting lineups than wins. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And that's a product of being old. And when you have LeBron at 37, he played 56 games of 82. When your best player is not going to be available for 70 games, you got to have him for at least 70, right? It's just not going to happen for you. Well, Russell Westbrook, as you mentioned, was asked about what happened this season after the game. What, 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 what? happened? Can't hear it. Can't hear it. Matt, we can't hear it. <laughs> Blame anybody. Uh, 
so many different things that happen, but I personally, um, I don't like to point fingers or blame anybody. Um, I just only can control myself and control what I'm able to do with my actions. Um, so um, that's all I can speak on. Well, his actions certainly didn't lead to a ton of victories. By the way, getting back to the age of the squad, Michelle. Yes. Mm-hmm. LeBron, 37. Carmelo, 37. Dwight Howard, 36. Trevor Ariza, 36. Wayne Ellington, who at the beginning of the season was kind of one of their key guys, 34. DJ Augustine, 34 years old. Russ is 33. And then when you look at their youngest players, uh, Horton Tucker's really good player, 21 years old. But the rest of their guys, Austin Reeves is okay as a bench guy. Monk might be their best, second best player after LeBron, 24. They just don't have a good lot of good quality youth. They traded that to get Russell Westbrook. Man, you hate to see it, Randy. Karma. Karma? For them, for that front office, yeah. It's, you let LeBron build a team, oh, and he builds go. a team of 35, 36, 37-year-olds, it's going to happen. These franchises, though, are in a really tough position because when you've seen star players get that power and it's worked out whether it's a a Tom Brady or I mean there's examples of it working out before for LeBron where Mm -hmm. he's brought in other players and had success. Yes. I I think that is very hard for an organization to tell a star player no. We're not going to give you this power. We're not going to listen to your suggestions or placate you in a lot of ways because they need to keep their star players happy. But I think now if you're an organization and that guy wants to do it you have to say look we love you and we want you, but look what happened to the Lakers with LeBron and look what happened to the Nets with KD and Kyrie. It's not something that is working particularly well right now. Giannis allowed the Bucks to build around him and it seems to be working. Devin Booker allowed the Suns to build around him and it seems to be working. You had your big three already. I think Golden State's kind of an outlier because the organization built that group, but... I wonder if the idea of players building the franchise on their own is going to become a thing of the past. Matthew. And again, it's not even that they didn't build this up from the ground up. It's just that he chose his friend in Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. over DeMar DeRozan, and you saw what DeMar did for the Chicago Bulls. Here's the thing. He doesn't shoot a lot of threes, but he plays defense and he hits you know, the 15 you know, two-pointers he takes per game, neither of which Russell Westbrook does. And if you don't have Anthony Davis and you don't have LeBron playing more than 60 games, you're not going to win in the, it, it, even in the down year in the West. And I think that's a big thing. Every Everyone always gave him stuff for dominating a bad mm-hmm. East. This is a bad West for the first time in a decade, and he couldn't even make a playoffs with 10 teams available. And correct me if I'm wrong, but they wouldn't have had to give up those young assets for DeRozan either. They oh, would have no. had to, to dump some salary, but he was a free agent, yep. right? You're killing me, Smalls. Well, Randy, we were all hoping that we would get word yesterday. And in fact, we did just over 14 months after Tiger Woods had that horrific car crash. He almost lost his leg. We didn't know if he was even going to walk again. He announced yesterday that he, in fact, plans to play in this week's Masters at Augusta National. He is trying to win his sixth green jacket. And he said he feels good and he believes that he can win it. The two best stories of 2022 are going to be Tiger coming back and competing for a Masters Championship and Albert Pujols coming back and competing for a World Championship. The two old guys are going to be the greatest stories of 2022. How about both of those guys winning championships? Yeah. And then obviously Yachty and Wayno mm-hmm. here, but I think on a national level, it's going to be those two guys. Well, and t- Brady, I guess, trying again too. And maybe he wins again too. Yeah. He'll be in a position to do it. Go old guys. <laughs> Yes, go. Well, I don't want to call them old. Yeah, they are. I don't think they're old. 
they're mature. Go oh. mature guys. Go it's mature all, guys. It's all yeah. relative. Yeah. Let's go mature guys. <laughs> See, it, got a, it has a ring to it, right? Yeah. All right, well, ti- a lot of people doubted Tiger's return, or at least doubted his return this quickly. Tiger Woods was asked yesterday if he's surprised that he recovered so well. I've worked hard. Um, my team has been unbelievable. I've been lucky to have had great surgeons and great PTs and, and physios that have worked on me virtually every day. And we've worked hard to get to this point, to get to this an opportunity to to walk the grounds, test it out, and see if I can do this. Um, it's been a tough, tough year, and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that I had to deal with. And you know, I don't wish on anyone, but you know, here we are, and Masters Week, and you know, being able to play and practice, and you know, for me, more importantly, to say thank you, thank you to all the guys that, that have. Uh, texted me, FaceTimed me, and called me, um, and gave me all their support uh, to see him in person and to say thank you. It uh, has meant a lot. For as reticent as Tiger is to show his face publicly, do you get the sense that he loves the theater? Yeah. I do too. I think he loves the story, even though it's horrific for him. But the story of him coming back, I, I just get the sense that he loves the idea of doing this and providing another great moment. It's a motivating factor for him. Everyone's talking about me. Everyone thinks I can't do this. So, of course, I'm going to do it. The Mm -hmm. great ones, Randy, the truly great ones, the ones that transcend greatness and are on their own plane, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, the Tom Brady's, they have a different set of DNA. And they're addicted to this. They can't turn it off. That's what makes them great is there's no off season. There's no off button. So even after Tiger Woods has had so much success and has endured so much mentally, physically, and has all the money in the world and seems to be in a good place in his personal life. All of us after the car crash are thinking, yo, dude, just rehab, relax, live a normal life with your family, Mm -hmm. get right physically. You've earned this. We'll leave you alone. Fade off into the sunset and be healthy. He's not built that way. He has got to come back. It's what he's meant to do. It's what he's called to do. And all of those guys that you mentioned that don't have the off button also have another another level and rise to the occasion at the biggest moments. And Tiger, I, I would think on the, the biggest stage in the most visible moments, I, I, I doubt he'll win the championship, but I can almost guarantee you that we're going to see some magic. Tomorrow and Friday, we'll see some magic from Tiger Woods. And if you want to bet on Tiger, download FanDuel Sportsbook. Use our promo code SMALLS. Place a wager. He's at plus 4,800 to win. So put down 100 and you can win 48. Sounds like a deal to me. I mean, how quickly were the Ben Hogan illusions? As soon as it happened, people were like, listen, this has happened in golf history before. And if there's anybody who likes going into golf history, it's Tiger Woods. I think that's a big part of it. I think he wants to do that in this era. No doubt about it. Thank you, Michelle. You're welcome. Coming up next, we're going to head down the stretch with What's on Tap on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Broadcasting live at the Budweiser Brew House inside Ballpark Village. 
Michelle, among our guests tomorrow at 7.30, we're going to talk to Greg Amzinger at 8 o'clock, Bob Costas. So we're going to kick things off with our MLB Network crew. Mm-hmm. We're also going to talk to Ozzy Smith at 8.45, John Mozeliak at 9.30. So a busy day of Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN tomorrow between 7 and 10. And we know that St. Louis is really excited, but tomorrow it's going to be absolutely buzzing. And we want to hear from you, too. We're, we're going to put out the call, mm-hmm. but if you're heading downtown or you wake up in the morning and you're really excited, send us a mic drop on the Rhino Show mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. Send us a text, 65780. We want to capture the energy of what tomorrow is going to be in St. Louis because it's going to be a really special day. And the Cardinals are urging you if you're looking for tickets for tomorrow's game to buy from reputable sources. The release says to ensure a positive opening day experience for all fans, the Cardinals are advising fans looking to purchase opening day tickets to buy only from reliable, trusted sources. I'm guessing there's probably some counterfeit emails going around. The only points of purchase for verified tickets are from the Cardinals at Cardinals.com, the Bush Stadium box office, and StubHub. Other points of purchase are not necessarily reliable. Oh, good to know. Because that's the last thing you would want to do is spend a lot of money on tickets and be really excited about them. And then, hmm. yeah, have it not work out. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that's going to be cool about tomorrow is that at 315, it's going to be Wayno and Yachty. For all of the pomp and circumstance and everybody coming in on the cars, that first pitch from Adam Wainwright to Yachty or Molina will be something that hopefully we'll all be able to take in because we should all remember it because it's the last time it's going to happen on opening day. Which is crazy to think about. We've been talking so much about Albert's return that it almost feels like Wayno and Yachty have gotten overshadowed just a little mm-hmm. bit because of the recency of the Albert acquisition. But I'm really glad that we're going to see those two together tomorrow. And I hope that everyone in St. Louis really savors that moment. Yep. And we do get a text from the 618, Michelle. Oh, another cookie cutter softball interview with Mo. Yeah, that's we all love softball and we all love cookies. So why not? <laughs> With Mo tomorrow? We haven't even done the interview. This person doesn't know what the questions are going to be. No, they don't. Haven't even written them out yet. I I will say this, and I learned this early on in my broadcasting career, and I know that the preference of a lot of people that text in would be for us to have these people actually in studio or on site that we can hop on a video and dismember them with a bandsaw. I know that that's what you want us to do. But when we welcome somebody to our show, we say... Our guest is Bill DeWitt. Our guest is John Mozeliak. If you bring guests into your home and mistreat them, then you do you. But that's not the way we treat guests. We are actually nice here. And I don't think we don't ask questions. You asked Mr. DeWitt today about the starting pitching and about going forward in the offseason. When Mo's come on, we've asked him if the high-level curriculum is too complicated for players to understand. We've, we've asked a lot of questions like that. They might n- not just have the tone or the wording that is harsh enough for some people to be satisfied by, but I think the questions are asked. I think so. And. I, I think some people would prefer the tone to be because society is a lot angrier. Confrontational. They want it to be more confrontational. They want it to be Jerry Springer. And that's just not... People have... I've been doing this for almost 40 years. And if you don't know what you're signing up for by this point, you're never going to know. And by the way, those people that want the confrontational questions would be the same person asking Mo for a selfie if they ran into him at a restaurant. Yeah. So and I'm just saying way, those those people that are very tough and keyboard warriors with present, presented in the moment would never say a word. Yeah. Uh, And we'll reiterate, Michelle and I, 
that we don't get paid by the Cardinals and that has been confirmed. Just say nice things. Unfortunately. But like you said. Open for business. Yep. No, we're just positive. <laughs> great job by our producer engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. And Michelle, this was great. We'll do it again tomorrow from Ballpark Village. I can't wait to see you downtown tomorrow, Randy. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.